Getting a new vehicle can be stressful, but not at Lake Elsinore Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. That's where surfers go inland to purchase their new and used vehicles. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at InherentBummer.com. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Surfa CBD, grown by surfers for surfers to help you maintenance your body after a lifetime of surfing. Follow us on Instagram at surfa, S-E-R-F-A, CBD. Use promo code late night with chalky at checkout for 20% off surfacbd.com. Earth Packed, customized eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, Earth Pack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. Earthpack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Our guest this week is a National Scholastic Surfing Association top-rated kneeboarder. I don't know if we had a kneeboarder on here. First time. First time. First ever kneeboarder. He earned a BA in Business Administration from San Diego State University. Congrats. Long smart. time ago. We don't, we don't get very many smart people either. And he got his first industry gig at Surfing Magazine. In 1993, he went from, or sorry, 1880. 1983. <laughs> Pretty much 1800. He's, he's that old. 83. You look good, dude. Yeah, well preserved. 1983, he went from intern to editor in a short period of time, right? Intern yeah. to editor. Right? I oh, like it. Geez. He left the magazine in 1991 to become co-owner of Caton, Canvas by Caton. I kind of uh, remember woo! And then he also worked for K2 in the late 90s and was responsible for putting together the K2 Big Wave Challenge, giving the 50K price person the biggest wave for, uh, photographed ever. Like, ever. Taylor Knox won that. Taylor ever. Knox. Yeah. T-Bone. Toto Santos, which was a huge, you know, success both, you know, for the athlete, the photographer, the marketing, everything yeah. behind it. And he took that experience, and he started his own magazine. Holy smoke, Surf News! Yeah, look nice. at this guy. Yeah, going yeah. back to the yeah. roots. Back to the roots. You know, magazines holding your hand. And it covered what uh, surf, well, the covered, surf scene, industry-related topics. Covered surf news, but no, but related to um, mostly the Orange County and the surf industry, and which is the mecca right here. Yeah, and it was until 9/11 came. But he partnered with his uh, close friend Larry Flame Moore, R.I.P. Flame, loved you, buddy, and became the go-to guy for putting together big wave 
like events and and challenge challenge and he was responsible mm-hmm. putting together that Cortez Bank uh, um, with Gurr and all those yeah guys. That, mission that Project track. Neptune Project That's Neptune yeah he's wow. got to have a this man guy I know yeah. and he later partnered with Billabong on their Odyssey project. He helped form the Double XL Big Wave Awards and WSL Big Wave Tour. This guy has it going on. <laughs> Lennon doesn't like big waves, so like uh, waves. we won't. Well, this will be, really be a short episode. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, we're super appreciative and stoked that uh, you came on the show. And we welcome Bill Sharpie. Sharp. Yeah! Thank you, boys. Uh, hey, that's, I mean... Congrats on all of your accolades, accolades and success. That's a that's a long sentence or paragraph. There, but, <laughs> yeah, it's, been, it's you know it's it's been uh, I, I, my favorite joke is it's just avoiding getting a real job. You know, <laughs> Forty years now, you know, just trying to you know have some scheme or another to, to be able to keep surfing. Yeah, well, we had to postpone this a couple hours because the waves were going off. You had like, to go yeah, 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 truly. I was already out of the water, and then I checked my phone, and these guys postponed it in about another hour and a half. I'm just like, damn. Well, when the wind turns offshore, you know, we, we get a little Santa Ana, and it's we do, and we do so have rare. a little swell. It's, it's so rare, just too. everything, especially if you're a Newport Huntington guy. Yeah. Everything just grinds to a halt. You know, yeah. you have to try to get that that precious little window. You yeah. Know, and, and and got a couple. You know, 50, 54th Street was was yeah. doing its, its. Well, it makes the day that much better, right? Oh yeah, that's yeah. that's you know. It's, um, so let's start at the beginning, Sharpie. Where where and when did you find surfing? I found surfing. Uh, you know, fortunately, my family moved to Newport Beach uh, when about the time I was born. Um, they having been kind of from part of that Pasadena to Newport Balboa connection, and mm-hmm. and so we had a house on Lido Island. And um, my brother started surfing. He was 11 years older than myself, Mike Sharp, and he's, he's um, was just a keen surfer and would always head off on it. You know, back in the longboard days with his little trailer and head off to the beach. And so I was just kind of a natural path to start um, riding uh, rafts and and whatnot. You know, just anything, just yeah. anything, yeah. just you know, just, you know, when you're whatever eight, nine, and and then. Um, Time came when, uh, you know, after eighth grade graduation, I was going to get my first board. And we went, uh, my dad took me to um, Main Street in Huntington, you know, and and I, at that point, decided I wanted to be a kneeboarder, which which is because of the wedge, you know, obviously in Newport at that point was ruled by the kneeboarders. And 56th Street, which was the the other wave, was was, had a, a really deep... Um, knee border um, community and it was like you know take off deep get barrel come out you know so you thought the knee borders were getting deeper and taking off more late and that swayed you to be a knee border. and it was just a little bit different you know yeah. I just always had this thing of just wanting to take a slightly different path yeah and and do something a little bit different and so that I had in my mind we went down to infinity surf shop and went in there and, and got a used infinity like you know, five four uh, forty five dollars man wow. I was stoked yeah and there was a pretty good kneeboard scene you know in that era you know like there's way yeah. more kneeboarders back then well, well, they are yeah now. it's 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 kind of ended up as like a dead branch on that getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. 
Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Evolutionary tree, really. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. it's it was, made of resurgence, actually. It's, it's, and it's a, it's, it was a full thing in the 70s. Yeah. That was before bodyboarding. Um, so if you were a little yeah. bit off kilter, yeah. and, and there was a thriving community, you know, in, in Newport and in Huntington, San Diego yeah. a, a lot too, yeah. and Blacks and, and Big Rock, and uh, maybe a little bit up in, in Santa Cruz. And that was a full thing. Yeah. And then, then bodyboarding kind of came on later. And, and it's interesting that there is a full resurgence in awareness. I don't think they're recruiting any young kids, yeah. but the old guys are, back, know, at are, are back at it. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, they're all 60 years old like myself, but they, they just had the, the U S titles in Huntington, you know, a few weeks ago. And it was just hilarious. Just like, just these dudes are serious, fr- yeah. you know, frothing and, and still, just still at it. But my, it's, my secret spot is infested with knee borders. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, way it's, down, it's, away from the pier. I don't know where it is anymore. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's the, a good one. Tom Backer, Nilo Cove. Yeah, which Nilo I, Cove. I don't even know where it is. It's somewhere in, the, in that great yeah. wasteland of, of, you know, Huntington, somewhere between the pier and river jetties that yeah. people don't talk about. Yeah, you know, I, I don't. But know. there, there was a good little crew um, so, growing up at the pier, like that were. Rippers, you know, yeah. but but that was that that actually sort of led in its way to me being involved in the surf industry because the um, at that point in time, kneeboarding was a key part of every surf team. It's yeah. like especially in the high school in the early days of the NSSA, mm. you know, you'd have six or eight men, you have two women, you'd have two kneeboarders, and yeah. that was just how it was. Yeah. Um, and, and which seems you know, it's probably hard to understand right now, but that that's how viable, you know, maybe 15% of the people out would be kneeboarding back then. I, and, yeah. and that was... I I remember there was a kneeboarder on our high school surf yeah. team and, and then they graduated into, added a longboard and women's, yeah, of yeah. course, but yeah. And eventually it, it sort of got, you know, evaporated. Yeah. But really in that period of the late 70s, early 80s, it was a huge thing. And that led me into being on the NSSA national team, you know, right, right in on the wearing the same uniform, standing next to Tom Kern and Mike Parsons and Chris Frohoff yeah. and Ted Robinson. I and, post that picture a lot. I got to find you then. And, oh, yeah. It's in it's in it's that and I was just like most of those guys were like seventeen, eighteen, and I was like a year or two older, and um, you know just didn't give a fuck, you know. And, and it was you know it was just. But when it came to what I did have is is a um, 
hunger for bigger waves. And mm. so like when we went to Hawaii, I had already been a bunch of times and was down to surf Second Reef Pipe. And Damn. and that sort of that level of respect, even though, OK, he's a kneeboarder and yeah. he likes to do dance contests and stuff. But when it came time to go surf yeah. the, the big waves, you know, yeah. I was I who's was the, who's the chicken shit. Now? Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll see yeah. who's the chicken shit yeah. now. And, and that <laughs> Bill was out there. Me. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so that was um, it's always overhead. You know, yeah, it's always overhead when you're a kneeboarder. But but that's in the days when riding a 20 foot face was a big wave. Now it's got to be a 70 foot wave. So it's a, right. the scale has shifted heavily over the years. So so you thought kneeboarding was a little bit different. You wanted to be different. Um, what was your peers like? Like were you accepted as a kneeboarder? Or well, was there a little yeah, yeah be, because uh, no, I I never. I, I mean, I've been heckled at it, it, like once or twice in forty years for being a kneeboarder. You know, That's great. because usually I will. You know, I'm going and yeah. I'm and I'll take off yeah. deep and you show and, authoritative. Well, yeah, as long as you're not a kook yeah. and yeah. and and you're you understand what's going on out yeah. there and you understand your place in the lineup and you Surf wait. Etiquette for, goes a yeah. long way. And, and it's and that's always been my thing is is you know I'll I, I'll get one or two waves an hour, but they're going to be the best one or two waves yeah. an hour that that come in. I like that. And and it doesn't you know it doesn't take a lot. Yeah. Um, and as long as you don't fall off and ruin them, then then who, you who get were the top kneeboarders back then. Ron Romanowski. Well, it's well, there was a, a full wedge crew, and that was really what motivated me. And it, and it was kind of almost like a secret spot at yeah. that point in time. Because there was a lot of surfer surfing. There there, there wasn't wedge. at all, and it's really you'd you'd see the photos like or there you know it's not a secret spot in the way that big waves are, that south swells are magnified there. But what you would typically see is the afternoon kind of stormy, you know, windy, chunky, wild, ride the wild surf stuff like that was in the endless yeah. summer. But in the morning when it's glassy, you know, a new swell and everything was just right in the interval and, and, and the tide, it was just a spitting perfect barrel. And no one wanted, and like photo f photographers were not welcome in that morning session. It was just like, shh, yeah, you know, go about your business. And so, and there was a gnarly crew. There was, and it was the body surfers and the kneeboarders just ran the place. Yeah. And it, even though I lived just down the street, and most of the body surfer guys were sort of water, converted water polo players from Fountain Valley or, yeah. you know, Irvine or whatever, it took me several years to to Whoa. chisel my way in heavy localism it was heavy localism was, was there, bodyboarders and it was pre, -bo pre bodyboarders didn't even exist at that point and, and body yeah, yeah and so if you tried to sh <laughs> tried to show up to surf or, or whatever you know you were just your tires would get slashed it was only like one know, road in one road one, out. one road in one road out and guys that that mouthed off too much you know there's, there's a classic story of you know of the guy getting hung up by his wetsuit on the the tower by by romo and there would it, it took you know i got bad vibed for years by these guys but then eventually you yeah. know became one of the one of the crew, and then one of the the guys who was always trying to get the biggest wave of the year. Yeah. Was it blackballed back then at all, or was um, it kind of open? It was minimal at that point in time. Yeah. It was just twelve to four, just like the rest of Newport. Mm. So, so it really wasn't the, the, there. It, but at that point in time, there there wasn't. It wasn't really until the 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 
boogie boards came along yeah. in the early to mid 80s that there really became a fight over the resource there just wasn't uh, enough waves for for everyone and and it, went, and it went to the city council <laughs> and 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 okay we're going to change and at that point it, it changed you know instead of just being in the three months of the summer it went okay it's gonna be six months and it's gonna be 10 to 5 and that really shifted the the, the dynamics so. yeah, it was it's, br- uh, rough it's, it's funny wacky. how over the years like certain things change right like back in the day people used to have needed licenses to surf right <laughs> yeah, yeah well that that was a very that, that was um a, in newport there was a period where they they tried in like 66 67 to to make sure you had a surfboard license yeah. it, it, it didn't really work and it's kind of a classic you know souvenir of, yeah. that, of that era but but trying to regulate um you know surfing just Resists being regulated right. by any legislation. Yeah, it's, and it's always been. Um, and, and, and I get it. You know, there's public safety. You know, but I just remember days in the summer, huge south swells. Nobody's going in the water. If anything, they're just getting swept off the the sand. Yeah. You know, yeah. and there's bombs out the back, and they're like, "Yeah, you can't even surf out the back." And I'm like, "There's nobody swimming out there." Yeah, yeah, no- and that's in in like the in new newport itself you know wedge is its own animal but it's re- that's really changed over the years just to to you know go off topic here for yeah. a second the the way that the lifeguards have enforced um the black ball and the and and we i led a fight in like late 90s to get the, the there was a law that it, no matter what from from 12 to 4 there had to be black ball and there was no discretion and so we got it adjusted where, okay, it's up to the lifeguard discretion. And as it's turned out that they've gotten, as, and I just think it's something where more and more they're used to, there used to be this headbutting between kind of really the, the um, non-surfing lifeguard group yeah. and the surfers that has totally melt, you know, melted over the years where like, you know, most of the lifeguards surf and they, yeah. they all respect each other. And, and so now, like if it's a big day at the point or 56th Street and it's a proper six to eight foot south swell, there's no black ball. You just, yeah. you, just have, you just have at it. Yeah. And, 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 and I think they realize keep, keep the swimmers out of the water. Well, yeah, they just... Yeah. Yeah. But just, you know, swimmers get swept out and, and the lifeguards, there's just usually one or two at a, at a tower, you know. If you have surfers out the back... They could save them. They could save them, yeah. you know? So it kind of works both ways. They, like, hey, they you know? just say, hey, you know, if you're going to swim, just go down to 48th or whatever For and sure. stay down there. And if you want to surf, go down to 56. And yeah. it's just sort of it's just sort of worked out. I, I don't think there's uh, I, the, the number of complaints about, oh, we got kicked out. You know, it's, it's way more relaxed just, now. It just, you know, there's always a wave to ride now. If yeah. You want, yeah. You know? So did you, after you got that infinity... Did you start surfing contests or was there? Yeah, well, I went to Cronomar High School. Okay. Uh, we moved across town at that point in time and really built a lot of friendships with a lot of great guys there. Um, uh, Rick Lore. Um, yeah. And, uh, Saw him last weekend. Um, Tom Reese. Yeah. You know, and, He's been um, on the podcast. I, yeah, a lot, a lot of guys that, that sort of ended up as industry guys. Tom Kozad, the uh photographer um and we just had a crew that was just you know we just uh, you know, a lot of guys that went on to do things and then, and then in connection with all the other so Cronomar and Newport Harbor and Edison and you know so the McElroys and and 
And there was just a machine going yeah. on where everything was happening right, right there, and everyone knew each other. And you'd surf in the the high school contests, and you surf in the the, the WSA or the NSSA at, at that point in time, and and it all just sort of took off at once. And and it, and even after people kind of you know either went on to a pro career yeah. as some guys did, or the industry just took off at that point in time. Yeah. So, so so many people from that era of the late 70s, early 80s in the Newport, um, Costa Mesa, Huntington area just, you know, been lifelong friends. Yeah. And so, so my, the kneeboarding part of it, I just, I ended up being an organizer. I ended up being the captain of the Corona Mar High School surf team. And so I'd be the one organizing the events with all the other guys. And, nice. and then went on to San Diego State from there and ran the surf team down there. And so just developed this sort of administrative component of it where... Yeah. Um, um, the hard-charging kneeboarder. Yeah, and just and just kind of you know a little bit of you know being able to stand up and you know be the yeah, knuckle, yeah. knucklehead who stands up with the microphone yeah, and says this organized. is what, you know follow me this is what we're going to do yeah, you yeah. know and and that just one thing leads to another you yeah. know and that I ended up being on the they were picking the team for the 1982 world titles in Australia at Burley Heads and I got you know recruited for that yeah kind of kind of like you're you're marketing yourself but you're you're also networking and you know and. Yeah. Obviously, rip and I mean, yeah, just, and it just you see this sort of opportunities just going. Oh well, you know, I can surf in this world championship. Yeah. You know, I'm never going to be a you know, you know, there's no career in kneeboarding, but I'm going to be a part of this scene. I'm going to get to know everyone, yeah. and and then that just led to you know, I started writing some stories about the trips we went on to to, to Australia and to Hawaii and, and submitting them to Surfing Magazine. Got to know the guys at Surfing were you Magazine. Planning to be a journalist, or you were just no? I got a degree in real estate finance. <laughs> <laughs> where the real money's at? Yeah, where the real. You know, my dad was a realtor in Newport, and I was going to go to to work. You know, selling real estate to literally like a month before I was going to graduate. That's and, so funny. And um, the, <clears throat> then just got a note from the the guy, the crew, Dave Gilovich and uh, Bob McNona. And uh, Chris Carter, who had been the, the associate editor there, was going to, he had this idea he wanted to go to Hollywood and write, you know, Just the surfing. Like, yeah. There's the guys running surfing. Yeah, surfing. You know, and everyone's going, yeah, good luck with that. Well, it was the X-Files. Yeah, so he, Chris he, Carter. Yeah, so he, he, he became a gajillionaire, you know, <laughs> it pulled it off, but, but they needed someone to take his spot. So I went, hey, this will be great to do for um, a year, and then yeah. I'll go back to get a real job. Because... That was just at the moment where the surf industry was just about to explode. Can we go back, check a little bit? So, so you were on the NSSA national team, nineteen eighty-two. How'd you guys do? Um, it was Australia. In Australia, um, the Tom Curran won, and that was kind of the. And Chris Frohoff, won, um, I think, won the juniors, and so we had this crew. We actually lost the the. Um, the team title, and I made it to the finals, and I, I, I didn't win, but had a great rivalry with, with a, a few of the crew down there, um, uh, Michael Novikov and Neil Luke, who are still good friends of mine. Kneeboarders? Yeah, four, okay. 40 years yeah. later. Was there a kneeboard, like, pro scene, or...? No, they had a few pro events. Okay. Um, like there was the Duran by Easter Classic, and and I actually won 125 bucks at a like a Cardiff Reef event yeah, once, nice. you know, and that was kind of the. It was no. Well, actually, I, I won a, a Sony Walkman, but they didn't. Have, 
they didn't have it in stock, so they they sent they sent they sent me a check for 125 bucks. So that, so that was my my entire you know pro kneeboard career. For those earnings. for those listeners that don't know, we have some young listeners that don't know what a Walkman is. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's it's this thing that has a cassette tape and a, and a wire with headphones. And for those that don't know what a cassette tape is, <laughs> cassette tape is yeah. It's, so imagine imagine a MP3. Google it. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a different time, but that was you know space age technology yeah. back then. But, so, but it was so eighty two. You're in college, and Bob, the surfing crew said, "Yeah." And so I got, I got, in, in the, it was actually hilarious because I, I, they asked me to interview for a job, so I actually put on a suit, you a know, suit. A, a, a coat and tie, yeah. you know, like my my yacht club outfit, and, <laughs> and went in to interview because I, you know, I said, "Okay, I'm here. You know, I can sell those ads. You know, I'm ready." I'm ready to be an ad salesman because that's that's where all the money's at. Yeah, right? being an ad sales guy. And they go, no, it's to be an editor. You know, to write stuff. I said, well, I can do that too. You know, no, no, no problem. Did you did those stories, the journal stories that you did to Hawaii or, or Australia? Did any of those get um, printed? Yeah, printed yeah, before, yeah, yeah. Before you got the job, yeah, they did. So yeah. that kind of had your that, end. Yeah, they knew. I'd, I'd had several. That's what they were going to hire you. And for. then, and then, yeah, and, and but I just misunderstood um, that I didn't think there was actual jobs doing that. And, and, <laughs> You wore a suit. Um, I wore a surfing, surfing magazine. I wore a suit. They they thought I was. Who's this nerd? Your dad probably said what you gotta it? wear a suit, son. Well, I just assumed you go on a job interview, yeah. you wear a suit. You know, and it's surfing. Western Empire Publications, man. Yeah. It wasn't just surfing. These guys magazine. got Zinka yeah. on their cheeks and sand coming out of their ears. No, there's just, you know, no, there's there's just like boards up and everything. You know, people yeah. dripping stuff out. There's dogs wandering around, pissing in the corners. Is it in Saint Clemente? It was it, yeah, it was in Capistrano Beach at that at that yeah. at that point in time at the Camino Capistrano, just right at Pochi back then before they moved up the hill. Nice. Who, who interviewed you? Um, it was uh, Dave Gilovich and Bob Magnona. And, and Bob, you know, if you're out there listening, he, you know, he, he never never stops taking the opportunity to remind me that he gave me my start in the surf industry. So, <laughs> hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to post on Facebook. It's, it's all right. <laughs> so, I'm sorry to go back again. So, what was your, like, local surf shop? When you were growing up, um, shoot, there was, uh, um, well, Hannafin, which is, Hannafin. which was the precursor to Surfside. Okay. It was originally um, uh, there was Hannafin surf, surf Shop, which of, of course the Frog House was there, but I wasn't totally a West Newport Frog House guy. Okay. You know, I loved loved TK and those, those guys are absolute legends, but I was kind of more. Down, sort of towards the pier area, yeah. where so so Hannafin had a spot that, you know, if you wanted to to get a board or you wanted to get your Roadrider four wheels that were you're you kidding know, me Hannafin Hannafin I don't think and, anyone's brought that up before I've never right? heard of it and it, yeah. it, it was on this is um, before Surfside Sports it became Surfside okay. Sports and actually was was kind of around the corner from there and then the the, the Surfside Sports building on Twenty Third Street for a brief period was Hannafin surf shop mm. and then became Surfside. Is that somebody's name? Yeah, it was like a guy named Pat Hannafin okay. who was a you know local surf schemer and and sold sold the um, shop because he wanted to be a comedian and I think he he achieved sort of a low grade success as a com funny. comedian yeah. but but that was that and then 15th Street surf shop which um, 
um, we hung out. But but okay. But I I'm totally forgetting like the main hang was Russell. Russell. Yeah. Was, was Russell, which that's even though I didn't get never got a board there. Um, I don't think I ever bought anything there. But I hung out. That was a hot spot. I hung out on the floor like daily. You know when Jack Briggs was like running the shop and all the you know. Um, you know Paul Hughes and Stam and all those guys. Bef- eventually, next door sprouted up um, Newport, Newport Surf and Sport, yeah. which really was for for people that you know don't know about Walkmans. You might not know about the the original. It was it was like the first surf shop to actually have a lot of clothes, yeah. yeah. And that changed the business model for surf shops and for the entire surf industry. Just yeah. just that idea of hey, we're you know. We're going to have a few boards, but we're going to have a lot of stuff to wear. And at that point, as the the merchandise became available, and the, 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 yeah. the you know that that was her. so. I was just right in the middle of that, laying on the floor, just yeah. you know, chilling all afternoon, just you know, as a fifteen year old kind of terrified drum. Was there a lot of shapers that specialized in the boards, or like was I mean, I knew like in Huntington, growing up in Huntington, I think like I, I want to say Ballister did. Shortboard, the, you know, the, there, there were, yeah, in Huntington, there definitely the uh, sun, sunline, sunline, and um, Dean Cleary sh- shaped, uh, you know, and then uh, Ron Romanowski shaped um, a lot of boards, like, for, for, um, it, and there was a Haydu was a was a brand, but I kind of just wanted to, like, my big thing after I got my original um, Infinity, I, I wanted a Bonzer. Man, I wanted a Bonzer so bad, wow. and so I ordered like a Bing or a, a Bing Bonzer, and that was my first custom board. It was huh. you know five. Did it work four. for Neboy? Well, it was in the tube. Yeah, it did. It was it was in and like everything was like like everyone's boards at that point in time were too narrow. You know, just really long. Like like designed to surf like backdoor pipeline or something, you yeah. know, when the reality, if you're going to surf three foot Newport or Huntington, that's just not enough planing surface to, to get you going. And, and people were starting to mess around with stingers and sort of wider boards. And, and then it really, w- w- when, when the twin fin hit in 77, 78, that was it. You know, yeah. it was, the, the, the problem had been solved, but really I, uh, you know, I might, those boards that I had were basically unrideable other than in a five-foot barrel going straight. We've, we've had a lot of guests whose first boards were knee boards because like, yeah. there wasn't really yeah. kids' boards. And like you mentioned, a lot of them were just oversized and really gunny and big, really hard for a kid to learn on. And they, they were always grabbing like... The, the five four fishes, the five four fishes, yeah. yeah. And it was and and fishes were were a thing, but even those original fishes were really kind of narrow and super um, straight. Um, ra- you know, the rails yeah. were really straight and they're hard to turn. You know, and and they projected, but but it was really uh, like uh, essentially every board sucked up, <laughs> up until the twin fins came in, and yeah. suddenly, man, you could and, and I and I was there. On the North Shore in the winter of '77, when MR like had that introduced first, it, introduced it, and it was just like a atomic bomb went off. So it you was, were on the shores of the North Shore of that winter when I, I was there that winter, and it was it was an amazing. Um, that was my um, my first winter on the on the North, North Shore. Yeah, '77. And which is a, a whole classic story that 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 Rick Laura and I went over, and uh, my brother. 
kind of shepherd us over and then he just vanished off into the cane fields with his bros and we got set up with this place that was um the a back room of the um lightning bolt glassing factory on holly Ava road oh and, my gosh. um and it was, you know, we just had this little room, and so we just hitchhiked around the North Shore for, 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 like, I don't know, th three weeks or whatever. And it was Sounds amazing. And, and it was amazing, <laughs> but it was during that period, and there's a, the, the magazines, I mean, to this day are chock full of, it was just, there was just like a ton of like, like four to eight foot off the wall and backdoor days. They're just glassy, perfect, you know, and it was all in free ride. Yeah. And, and it was just day after day of just. Is that the same season that Sean and, and I, Mark were in the barrel together? I took a picture of that wave with an instant one ten instamatic camera what? of that exact wave. You were there I was on the beach. On the beach. So when those, guys, when those guys when those guys passed out, do you guys? I mean, I would I would probably go sit on the beach and just watch. Well, like, well yeah, well, you, but still, the waves are were so, so good. good, and, and so we would sort of you know be out on the shoulder and you know to try yeah. to pinkle a couple. And it was just, but it was like good, like for, for weeks on end like that. Do you still just, have that photo? I still have the photo. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. It's, yeah. it's classic. And, and, and so we've just got photos of us just from, yeah. you know. Rick Lore. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 that, and so the, the first Quicksilvers, you know, were out and we all had like the, you know, scallop leg or yeah. arch leg. And, and I just remember Rabbit had the first ever corduroy, like, sh like walk shorts. Yeah. And were those we were, Billabong or Quicksilver? They're Quicksilver, and we were—I mean, this was like kind of like everyone was wearing Quicksilver yeah. there, and we were probably pre-Billabong. I—I I mean, I, Billabong clearly existed in um, Australia, but man, everyone there had yeah. you know one style or another of, of the Quicksilvers. Like, so it funny. seems like yeah, you put out—they put out a board shorter, you know, a couple designs, and then they graduated into like yeah. other categories. And but Quicksilver but, was, but yeah, but 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 Rabbit had the first, and there was like two-tone panels with sort of cargo shorts with the the pockets and we were literally planning a way to steal them i was gonna, i was gonna steal rabbits you know uh, his cargo shorts because they were so cool and we yeah. never it's, it was the first time we'd ever seen actual surfboard other than a pair of board shorts yeah. or, or yeah. surf trunks you know and it was it was just it was just super cool to have seen that and just just be a feral 16 you know 16 year old just yeah kinda, and you're seeing these heroes yeah. Surfing right in front of your eyes. Yeah, and, and it's just like that's like even if if you're a, a fan of Tom Brady, you can't run down on the the Super Bowl, you know, sidelines yeah. and if you have a chance you know, and, say, and, and, yeah. and, yeah, and, and say, hey, bro, yeah. you know, that was an awesome wave. Yeah. You know, it, and yet that that was it. And it was it was just kind of all it was just you know mind blowing. And 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 but to to bring it back, that's MR had that twin fin and he just made everyone look so stupid. Um, and so within minutes, you know, really everyone suddenly had twin fin, and then, then within the next couple of years, the Simon put a third fin on it, and, and was that, that, was that also the same year as uh, busting down the door too, or? Um, well, yeah, that kind of covered that, but Free Ride was the, the movie, um, the movie. Yeah. yeah, and busting down the door uh, was kind of they, they got it was that that era. Yeah, you know, there was a couple things, a couple of incidents that happened the year before. But but that started my attachment to the North Shore, and so I we went every year for, you know, all the way through, um, like through the the rest of the seventies and through the eighties, you yeah. know, every winter. And, just, and up until then, you never surfed anything like that size, like wedge. Well, like wedge. You know, but, but but I surfed the wedge and the point, and and so was comfortable in 
whatever, however, you know, six to eight foot, you know, pretty, yeah. pretty, you know, relatively heavy surf. But then you go to Hawaii and the scale is just totally different. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's just a joke. The scale of the power. Well, the scale, you know, and you, you just go out to surf sunset or something. A mile and out. You just, and it's a mile out and the waves, you know, it doesn't get enough credit. The waves are like 25 feet, like, you know, and it's so hard to catch a wave and the wind's blowing yeah. and then you finally get one. And even at that point, you know, the, the leashes were, were shit and you would, snap you know, if you had one, you snap a leash and you're, you know, I sw swimming out in that rip, you know, as it's getting dark to find yeah. your board was, I, I don't think there's, there isn't an appreciation for how gnarly that is and what a step up it is. Yeah. And you, you, I'm sure there's many times where you thought you're going to die. Right. I only had one time I thought I was going oh, okay. to, that I could potentially die. Yeah. And that was um, a few years later, um, surfing rock piles on a really, you know, Oof. on, on a um, kind of a north swell coming in. And it was rising really fast. And, and you know, rock, rock piles is a underrated wave. And it's like, usually like a, you know, it's just kind of a burble out there that has a, uh, where it's shallow and then a left or a right that will come off it depending on the western north swell and I I got it, uh, it and it was going one of those days where it's going from 6 feet to sort of 10 or 12 feet and real quick real quick and then got a right and um, straightened out and then uh, the set kept building and next thing I was down in front of the Kaiki Reef down there like in 60 seconds and the, the the rips and the and the currents is no joke over yeah. there. And it was no joke. And I was trapped between. And if you've seen the the, the reef there for down to three tables, it's it's like a I don't know a quarter mile of just the most jagged lava. A couple little keyholes to get yeah, in. Like. And, 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 and and there was like ten foot white waters coming at me, and there was just there was no escape. And, and you're I, not terribly far off the, the beach you know it's not it doesn't break you I, I was right off the yeah, beach like, but it was it was literally like a it just goes you know, so it's, just, it's just a sheer jagged lava cliff right there you know depending on 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 and and so really long hairball story you know and people were starting to line up on the beach and going fuck this this guy's fucked do you have your board I, no i had my board and that which ultimately was my savior. Sa savior i just timed it where a you know wave broke and i was uh, let the, the white water blow me up and then onto the reef and just rolled and just got shredded. My oh. board got smashed, but but survived. I mean, it could have easely gotten killed. There. Oh. And that was that, um, that was my near death North Shore experience. Did you? Was there? I've never seen a Hawaiian kneeboarder. Was there a Hawaiian kneeboarder? Yeah, there, there was, there was yeah. a few. Buddy McRae, the one arm okay. guy, um, and uh, he was uh, part uh, of Billabong too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was like the the Billabong um, guy. In the and North Hank Shore. Photo too. Is yeah, it? Hank. But though, though he, he he, I mean, I worked with him at Surfing Magazine yeah. for for a long time. So yeah. he was, you know, and he kind of from Newport. Um, he was Salt Creek guy. Okay. Yeah, and, and yeah. Uh, so he, but he, but he, he changed teams and he started stand up surfing yeah. after. After a while, so, so, so but the, but there isn't really you know there, there's a few few yeah. few guys but usually you know just like kind of the underground guys and they'll show up and get a couple waves and yeah and vanish. Did so, you ever get sponsored? Well, to a degree, my, my um, I 
my brother worked at Infinity at one point in time, so I kind of got a, a few boards from them. And then I actually, during the peak of my career, um, I, I had a, a arrangement with a GNS, which in down in San Diego, which yeah. which was a really big deal. Got yeah. got got free boards, and then was kind of sponsored through the um, NSSA national team. So the, so they were had a deal with O'Neill, and, and I always had a good relationship. It wasn't like I got paid; I never got paid any money, yeah. but but got connections, you know, products. Well, Got product yeah, flow, yeah. you know. So it was, you know. And believe me, if I had a Team O'Neill wetsuit, man, I was wearing that thing. Oh, we talk, yeah, we talk Everywhere. about that. Stickers on your board, like just, you know, puff your chest. You're somebody. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I, when when I had my my NSSA national your team, team tracksuit, your, your track yeah, my, my shiny arena, you know, track suit. That thing never came off, bro. I blew the we ass out of it. Late night with chalky tracksuits, bro. Uh-huh. That would be. Well, no, and, and that's, that's, I don't think people can appreciate because everyone's so like, oh, I'm cool and, you know, nowadays, nowadays yeah. but, but like, you know, you'd roll up to like the Kate and Team Challenge or whatever and there'd be, you know, the body glove guys yeah. had their black, you know, arena track suits and the yeah. NSSA guys had their blue ones and, you know, all the other things yeah. and, and you just, you know, some of the guys had red ones and it was just like, man, that was the shit. It, yeah. it's, it's coming back with the board riders clubs, yeah. you yeah. know. Uh, clubs are, you know, kind of um, obviously they're different sponsors for different clubs, and and they're starting to put together little kits and little yeah. gears and stuff. And how cool was the O'Neill turtlenecks? Yeah, that dude. <laughs> I, I have a picture of me with one. That that was absolutely the pinnacle <laughs> of cool to have that Sean Thompson yeah. white Team O'Neill turtleneck. Yeah. That's as good as it get. And and I and I got flowed one, and man, literally the day that. That, that thing. I think know. I got a couple of Quicksilver turtlenecks when I was a kid. Not O'Neill. No, 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 no. no. But the O'Neil that was a thing. Was like, was a thing it said, it said yeah, freaking Team O'Neill. Yeah. That was on the so neck. insane. They should bring that back too. That, what was this suit? Uh, the the full suits with the like the leash uh, strap that you could take the removable. Oh, the reactor. Like the O one two threes. Oh yeah, and, you know, and they had the ones that had like the vinyl. You know, I mean, there was, what was that? There was a bunch of experiments that just failed I horribly. I remember seeing yeah. a lot of dudes wearing. Oh, you know, like John Gothard right. was yeah. just you know yeah. with with the yeah with Gothard especially the, Gothard especially. You know, they, they had, you know the various vinyl and just you know it's almost like a hefty bag yeah. attachment. On the, like on the we thought that was a good stuff. idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of stuff where you're designing it, and, and, and hey, man, this thing looks cool. People are gonna buy it, and then you go through a winter using it, and you just yeah. thing fills up, and you almost Terrible. drown. Terrible. Terrible. Just yeah. you know. Yeah. But it was cool. The the O'Neill layers that was cool. Yeah, yeah, that? yeah. yeah. Where oh. the, the jacket and then the yeah, yeah the laundry, the short yeah. John, yeah. the yeah. you know, the, you know, which I, I you know, they, I, I, they, I think that the they farmer made those too. I had a yeah. couple of those rash day heck out of you though because yeah. you have like just all these barriers and layers that just chafe and, and now like the long john is just the ultimate hipster statement oh, gosh. You know, you've just got to have that with starter your, pack you know, get your, starter pack well yeah, yeah with your beaver tail flapping like a halibut <laughs> I'll tell you though like gotta have a goatee <laughs> long johns are so comfortable though you still wear them huh? I, I used to like I used yeah. to when Japanese or Elite I yeah. make, have make me something they're great I, I'm, yeah. I'm with you especially as a kneeboarder that yeah. was like you know to have, have my knees covered and then yeah. let, let my my massive arms be, <laughs> being under Restrained as, as they're churning through the hydrosphere. Hey, watch out, folks! Yeah. So so boom. You, you start working for Surfing Magazine. Yeah. Um, now were you like 
a road reporter or was it like well i i was i was i worked my way up quickly from assistant editor to to associate editor managing editor editor and it was can i ask you what what that job title, what does that mean? What is the, well, the role? The editor really is that says, okay, we've got, uh, the, the publisher says okay, that we're, we're, we're making magazines here and they have to be to the printer every month because we're distributing them by, by mail and to the newsstand. So on, on the 15th of the month, we have to have a, a magazine Finished. done. And, it's, and this month it's going to be, because we sold X number of ads, it's going to be 180 pages because there's half of its ads. The other half is going to be editorial. You figure out what's going in there. Wow. And so we had the, 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 the at that point in time, the best photographers in the business. We had you know, Flame, Aaron Chang, Jeff Hornbaker, um, Bob Barber, you know, on down the list. Of, of just like an incredible. All those group. names. And, and, and it's a much longer list. I don't want to leave anyone out, but, yeah. but, but, but more photo, you know, Don King, Chris Van Lennep, um, just all the, just. Jay Lyre wants to tell you that he had a, uh, a cover shot with Chris Van Lennep. See, okay. See, I, but the so, show's not about So that. I don't have to explain. Yeah, that. Chris was the man. He was, the, you know, so we, all those guys just cranking out unbelievable yeah. photos back when it was really hard to take an unbelievable photo. Yeah. You know, that was even pre-autofocus. Yeah. Um, but, no you know, drops film, on the lens, you know, it wasn't yourself. digital, it was film. You had 36 shots on a roll, yeah. and, and pe people have no clue how difficult it was. Um, God, and that's an important little detail that you know we got to remind people of is like taking a photo, you like you said, 36 in a roll, so you have to make each shot. Yeah, and it had to be sharp in focus, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then, to be used in the magazine. And back then, there wasn't autofocus; didn't exist. You had yeah. manual focus, and you had a aperture. A you had you the had, setting. And, yeah, and you didn't even have the the light. You had to to estimate Air the light. Trial, like, the, the trial and error. You had to know right. that if this this light, what the exposure setting was, and yeah. you had to follow focus with the mostly like the the Canon eight hundred millimeter lens that had like a little knob on it. You had to follow the guy as he went from outside to inside and keep it sharp and and if you're off Gosh. by the slightest you know a foot off in the the focus the photo's ruined you yeah. know and flame would have just thrown it in the trash this is crap yeah. you know and and it was so difficult people now you just like everything's automatically done for yeah. you it's digital like, it doesn't cost you like every fr frame costs money yeah you know and 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 then it, and everything is sharp now because it's got autofocus it was you can't even imagine, you know, and, and yeah. so it would come in and you'd have the slides, the transparencies, which, you, you know, the Kodachrome doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. And um, photographers are craftsmen. Yeah. Back it, it was, and the the editors were craftsmen. Yeah. I started before word processors even existed, before, did, um, before um, you had desktop publishing. We would type every story up and retype it a bunch of times, and then it got sent to a, a um, typesetter. A company would redo them in the columns of type. Wow! And then you would paste them up. With you take an exacto knife and and in glue or wax and put them on these boards. Yeah. 
and then send them off to this. Uh, it was called a stripper, which was they, they didn't take their clothes off, but they they they, <laughs> they they converted it to these the different the the four colors of the process where uh, that when you print it in color, it, they would break it down into a cyan, magenta, black, and yellow. They would print you know combine to print these things, and it was it it really was like this ancient art, yeah. you know, or. Uh, um, uh, it was it was a time and a place that just will never be revisited yeah. it was it was incre incredibly complicated but just to learn how to make magazines in that era yeah. of course magazines don't even exist anymore it's so. sad you know, I know there's a couple yeah you got free surf yeah, I mean, I mean, um, but but not in the way that they yeah. were. Um, they dictated, the, 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 you know, what the trends in surfing, yeah. what people were going to ride, yeah. you know, what, what was happening with surfboards, or what was, you know, who were the advertisers, and it just really, it presented the face. It was it yeah. was the official, you know, authoritative authoritative. Um, uh, Bible of um, the sport, and, of the and, and at yeah. that point in time, surfing and surfer were just locked in this yeah. monthly battle to do better. Yeah, and and, and the, the creativity of like what you guys are doing on the magazine side, you know, got to have the the content, the, the the stories, and then the ad, like all the companies battling for like the ad, the, the, ad, the yeah. ad space, but like who's putting out the best the ad. best ad yeah. with yeah. the best athletes, you know. Yeah. So you had that big rivalry within the brands, like in the advertisement side. And for sure, the ads were as good as the, the editorial, you know, and and yeah. and filled with information about who's you know who's got the big shot, and then who are the little guys that are, you know, the the new guys on the O'Neill or the Quicksilver team, or who are the young young guns or yeah. whatever the thing was. It really there was just it was when that magazine arrived, you know, each month, whether you got it in the surf shop or on the newsstand or or came in the mail, man, that everything stopped Dude. for a little while. I distinctly remember I never had my own personal subscription, but I always got them from the shops and just, yeah, it would be a, a almost, you know, not to admit it, but you'd, you'd take a day or two, yeah. you know, or two days looking at every picture, and reading every caption and just kind of diving in, in head first and just you know you know and then it's such a, an amazing if thing. someone you knew got a photo yeah. in the mag or you got a photo in the mag <laughs> yeah. man that was just I, I remember that that happened to me I got, got a photo yeah I got um I can I, I imagine this one I'd never had a you know photo or anything I I, I helped Surfer magazine at one point, um, they did an article on kneeboarding. It's probably the last one ever in, in 1982. But I had three photos in that, um, including a two-page spread. And at the same time, breakout. Two-page two spread? Two-page spread. Get down. Kneeboarding in the 80s. Um, and What year? Uh, 1982. It was like the, the whatever. It came out in July. And I came back from that Hawaii or from the, the Australia Trip where we also went to Bali, which is a whole other story. Got insane waves. Come back, 
you know, and get 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 home, and there's two magazines waiting for me in the mail. Surfer the Surfer magazine out. with this, and then a breakout that I have three more photos in. Barrel shot, like Bar like, just in the barrel, yeah. all of them barrel shots, Sick. just doing my thing. And it was it, in some ways that week was the peak of my life. Oh yeah. my gosh, dude! Yeah, it was. It, kidding me? Two magazines in one month? Oh yeah, no, I was a made man at that point. <laughs> you know it. We were talking about people put them on their dashboard. Like, you oh, know, yeah. they would just have, like, stacks. Why are these bags? Oh, I don't know. Check them out. <laughs> Check oh, them out. yeah. Uh, I was open to the center. No, spread. you know, I'd, 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 you know, I'd be at the, the, the Safeway market and some chicks, you know, hey, did you see this? Yeah. You know? That's right. The magazine oh. aisles at the oh, market. Oh, Yeah. Oh, oh, oh check it out. You know, that, believe me, that was, summer was pumping. I went broke buying one magazine at every store I went to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, in in, in it, it's kind of, Everything is so different now, and it's so transient. Okay, you know, here's Instagram, and boom, and then it's gone three it's hours gone. later. Yeah, you, know, it, you forgot was, what you just saw. There was such a ago. permanent record of what was going on. I'm yeah. still, I'm still on the Instagram standard post page. I can't even do stories. The stories because it's like it's gone. I can't. I, I don't know. I want to be. I want to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I got. I can't screenshot everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, so, so your run at surfing was. Almost ten years, or yeah, I mean, uh, eight, eight eight years, years and and kind of it it was uh, it was like making Mexican food, you know. It was like it's the exact same ingredients. You just got your your tortilla and your meat and your cheese and and your your beans, and you, you can one month fold it into a burrito, and then you make a taco, and then you make a s salad, and, and it's just eventually you've done every sort of recipe. So yeah. I, I um, but at the same time, it could what a comparison. <laughs> and, uh, you make me hungry. Life, you know, like you can only do so much with the ingredients you get. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and 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 so it, you know, after making, uh, you know, you know, and that was like we were doing twelve issues a year. Plus, we were doing bodyboarding and calendars and stuff. So, so it probably made about a hundred and fifty, you know, Mexican food meals. Yeah. And and um, and then at that point, I'd seen all, all my friends making billions of dollars in the surfwear industry, and I said, well, I I got to try my hand at that. And, so. From what year to what year? Sorry. Um, I was in the magazine from 83 to 90, 91. And at first you just were starting it because you're going to be a commercial real estate. Yeah. But, 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 but that's when the, the, the magazines went from 96 pages to 240 pages. Yeah. It, it became a super viable business yeah, and, yeah. and everyone got paid a lot more. I yeah. mean, I got... I got Paid. I mean, I started for a thousand bucks a month and, and was making you know five or six times you know, yeah. that you know by the time I was done. So yeah. it was, and, and were you strictly like at the offices five days a week, or were you going uh, on on location? Uh, oh oh like no, because we would we would crank the mag out and work deep hours for two weeks, and then two weeks we. So you got your. R&D. Yeah, you know, the R&D. We'd surf and, and try to work, you know, scheme a surf trip into yeah. it. And, you know, and so, so always going to, you know, we'd, we'd go to the the North Shore. And, you know, it didn't travel. I didn't leverage it anywhere near yeah. as much as, as some guys did because I always had to, um, you know, be back. And, and there was a limit to places you could go and really have get you know, get out there and back in two weeks yeah. at that point in time. Tell us before we go on, tell us about that trip to Bali. Oh, that was just that was in 1982, and this and nothing there. Well, I mean, there was obviously people had been had been surfing there since the late 60s and yeah. 70s, but it was kind of super, like 
uh, you know, like mysterious. Yeah. And and so we had the national team, which at that point was kind of at the, the peak of its powers. With And so PT was leading the charge. Um, Peter Towner, for those of you who don't know what, you know, PT or Walkmans are. Yeah, um, And so we had this whole crew that after the, the three weeks we spent competing, uh, pretty much everyone except Tom Curran had to get back to surf in the the stubbies and the and the um, you know get his all his deals done. But like the rest of the crew, um, uh, Mike Parsons, Jim Hogan, uh, Ted Robinson, um, uh, you know. Uh, so all this of is the, before he got kicked off. Ted yeah, Robinson. yeah. So as b b b <laughs> before the, the the forgery gates, you know, deal. You know, we, we, so so we uh, we went and we surfed Uluwatu for like. Two, two weeks straight just un like pumping and just like you know hardly anyone around yeah. I mean, and, and, longest wow. barrels of your life just longest barrels and, and, and we yeah we just we just got like back to back to back to back swells and we just stayed in Kuta Beach and just every day we're going out there and there's like one hot Lossman you know there and, and we would just surf and then party in Kuta Beach and it was it was just as good you know PT who's who's been through it like all, everyone who was on that trip looks back at it as one of the one of the, the great surf I trips because it was all just a bunch of kids who yeah. were really talented and really good and what a crew and going yeah. you know and in, in gnarly you know six to twelve foot waves and just charging yeah and, and everyone just you know and people were getting hurt and like Jim Hogan got his you know fin through his it had to get stitches in his head, but just put on a bathing cap, you know, borrowed a bathing cap from the lady that was staying next door in the, the hotel and, and just... It came me out of the waves when it's freaking six yeah. and oh, ten yeah. foot. Just, just, yeah, so it was just one of the... And, and it really... We didn't have a photographer with us, you know. Damn! It was just kind of before that was a... Th you know, in retrospect, it was just ridiculous. I mean, there was one How like... funny is that? Like, So there's really no days. legit... I mean, it would have been a... You know, today it would be a yeah, co you know, a movie or a cover story or something. It was just, but That's just, crazy because but, but but just every you know, trip has a photographer. But, but just like you know, ten of the best surfers you know in America ripping huge Uluwatu and and just you know not for the photos, just yeah. to go surfing. Yeah. It was kind of you know, what a trip of lifetime. What, right yeah, there. what a good experience, you know, because like you said, that's probably one of the most memorable like yeah. trips yeah. ever. No yeah. wrongs on the. Maybe, you know, one villager or two, right? Like, yeah, and then you still had to walk. Like, yeah. it was like a you know mile or whatever. you walk off from where the BMO would drop you off. And, and, and then you, you'd hire a kid for 25 cents to carry all your crap for you. <laughs> it was just, and I, I, I haven't been back since, so I guess it's changed a lot. Oh I, have, I haven't been back to wow. Bali since. So. How, does it, how does that escape you? I, I don't know because it's, it's it's really though I, I I know it's it's changed yeah. it's changed dramatically it's changed. everywhere yeah. has yeah. I mean yeah yeah look where we live so after surfing magazine how did you all your friends were making a gazillion dollars yeah and so, so, so I went into, into you know and I'll I'll make make that a shorter part of it because you know otherwise we'll be here for twelve hours but the you know went went in the surfwear business and, and um kind of re revitalized Caton. And did uh, snowboard apparel at the same time with a brand called Burning Snow, and it was um, did that for like seven years. But it was just a struggle. It just it, you know it was it so was hard. How did, how did you get involved with Kate? Um, was it for sale or was that um, like no? They, they were just doing their their same uh, since Nancy had 
died, they had just kind of had stopped doing any wholesale mm. altogether. And Glenn Hughes, who still runs the show down there, was yeah. was uh, my my friend Rick Lore was was uh, at that point a body glove sales rep, and that was part of his route. And Rick Lore was this. Yeah, he was a body glove sales. Shut rep up! Really? Point. Yeah, yeah. So he's pre Kaipo. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pre, okay. In fact, Kaipo had worked for you know worked for us for, for a while. Yeah. In the, in the and, so we and I, again we we put together a pretty solid crew. But but um, was it Ryan Simmons writing for you guys that yeah, time too? Yeah, we had you know, we we had a, and Troy Tecklenburg. And, yeah. You know, I mean, we, we had a, a and Timmy Reyes and you know we we had a pretty pretty good crew. Definitely. Um, yeah. Gosh, even. Um, but it was. Um, so you partnered up with well, Glenn. yeah. So we partnered and said, "Hey, you know, let's let's you you keep doing your thing here, and we'll start doing a um, an expanded wholesale line, and we'll bring in modern materials because they were still just doing the straight canvas. As Mom Sato was still just sewing up the the thick, you know, spinnaker nylon and, and canvas stuff, and, and we started doing nylon and and, and you know." Um, um, manufacturing in you know more than one at a time yeah. started, and at that point the the sort of garment ghetto um, in Costa Mesa and uh, Santa Ana was still happening. Yeah, and you could still get three hundred pairs done, you know, in a reasonable amount of time for a reasonable amount. Though that quickly changed. The, yeah, the, there was a big sweep, and they sort of recategorized um, the. The whole garment license thing with um, after Clinton got elected the second time, there was a, like a whole labor revolution. So they, long story short, they tried to make it better for the um, uh, local labor. Well, for the local labor, they, they were they were calling them sweatshops, you know. Mm -hmm. So we've got to shut down, you know, these shut people, down the. You know, shut down the sweatshops when it was people were sewing and making you know good livings yeah, and yeah. happy and to go gone. to work and so now we're going to shut down the sweatshops and, and it and, all went to China and it all went to China in about two weeks. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 and it was a convulsion for everyone. Um, and, and they literally raided um, the, the Department of Labor came in and shut down Quicksilver, Billabong, everyone there because they said. You have to have a garment license that that had previously been interpreted. If you're actually doing the sewing, you had to have this license. But they they reinterpreted it, saying if you arrange for the manufacturer, if you design um, apparel, even if you have it made somewhere else, you have to have this license. And until you have a license, which is one of those things where you have to study for. I mean, not a big deal, but you're shut down and being charged a hundred dollars a day per employee. Were, and it was like suddenly the fines, and they came came to our little place on Placentia Avenue, and just it was like a federal raid. It was so ridiculous. Gosh. Yeah, it's just it's just weird how that happens, and it you know, it's an agenda. Yeah, <laughs> it just it's sad, you know. And, because, it, and it was a full political agenda yeah. based on hey, we're gonna support your reelection, and you're gonna do this for us afterwards. But it totally, as most of these things do, backfired. It, yeah, it, it didn't. It, it it seemed on the front that this was going to fix things, and it just made things way worse for everybody. Yeah. And it and it was a horrible several months for everyone because because suddenly everyone then ran to China and um, started manufacturing, or, or actually Hong Kong really at that point was was still its own independent thing and tried to figure it out and. And a few companies had been doing um, outerwear in, in a few factories there, so that was the, the path. And but literally within a year, 
the entire American surf industry went from being homemade, you know, homegrown yeah. in the U.S. to every bit of it being made overseas. Yeah. It's yeah. sad to see, you know, U.S. jobs just get phased out. And then we sit there, you know, years later and like, what happened? Where, did, yeah. you know, where the U.S. made, you know. Well, the biggest apparel brand of that time or ever was Levi's and they had factories, you know, all throughout California and the East Coast and and they own, you know, they own, the, they built the factories a hundred years ago and they've employed all those people and then they start, you know, they started pulling shop. I mean, it, it was not just the small surf brands, but yeah, well, it, it was well, happening too. And, and it just made it, it, it just made it so hard to to get anything done and, and, and other things, the manufacturing of nylon got clamped on. And, and so a lot of the, like, I know a lot of the cotton based, like um, Levi's or whatever, moved to Honduras and places where you were closer to the, you could get a cotton crop of the same stuff, but without the same, same hurdles. Yeah. And, yeah. and same thing with, with the nylon manufacturing, which is a whole nother can of worms. I mean, that's, I mean, it, it, to this day, you still hear about like all the regulations and, yeah. you know, all, all the, the red tape that, you know, companies have to like, you know, jump through and it's like, yeah. well, I might as well just go overseas because, you know, one, it's probably cheaper and I don't have to deal with all this like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you reach a point where it's like, okay, we can make it here, but the if it, that the, pair of trunks that that used to cost ten dollars to make, and that that you'd sell it to to Huntington Surf and Sport for twenty, and then they'd sell it to the consumer for forty, so great. Well, it's it's now that instead of forty dollars, it's going to be a seventy dollar pair of trunks, yeah. and the the consumer just won't have it, you know, yeah. no matter how not in much that short. Time the, 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 yeah. no matter how much people want to buy American, it just wasn't. It just this, it wasn't feasible. It, just, it wasn't feasible. So you're yeah. you're running, Caton, you know, co-owner. You're responsible of the the the, the Caton challenges at on yeah. the North Side that that, yeah, that yeah. was running. Those were incredible yeah. events, and, and so, so really that was a, a, a you know revitalized the, the Caton Teen Challenge. And, yeah, and, that, and that, that's kind of where, where I got to sort of know you guys yeah. from that era of uh, yeah. putting those on, which is just a, a small local. We event, need the Caton Challenge back for sure. That would be yeah. insane. Uh, but it was fun. Everyone would come together, and you know, you'd, and there's a bit a lot of that going on with the board. Yeah, you know, the board. Clubs. Yeah, board riders is kind board of a spinoff. They did that. For for a long time, the the surf shop challenges, the Oakley, it was Oakley did Oakley, yeah. but there was somebody else before Oakley. I think Quicksilver. Yeah. yeah, but you know, again, just bring the the, the camaraderie and the and the brands and the, and the industry together. You know, yeah, it's just fun. Yeah, and it's it's fun just get get everyone together. So how, how long did you guys do? Kate? And so did that that went from um, for about another seven year stint, wow. and at that point, K two came in. Um, uh, got really interested in um, what we were doing and we had an opportunity to sort of sell out to them. We didn't make a ton of money, but we're at the same time, the, the industry was just hard. It was just hard on um, small companies, you know, and other than like Volk, Volcom kind of was yeah. the only one from that era to really make the jump yeah. to hyper. The styling went away from cool, you know, surfy brands to like core grunge, like, you know, like punk yeah, rock, yeah. like, it, you know, the style. Went yeah, it did. Totally it, different. It, 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 yeah, totally different. It was hard to, yeah. to, to, and it was, it, and 
it, it just wasn't a, the the profit margins were just under constant pressure. It was just hard to get ahead yeah. at that yeah. point in time. And a lot of the retailers were starting to do essentially consignment stuff. They just pay for you know the bigger brands were willing to just you know have it on wheels and yeah. whatever didn't sell they take it back. Terrible. So that time. So now you're at K two. I remember kind of how they came into the marketplace. OP was still around. OP did their challenge, like the Indo Boat like event. Do you remember that? And then K2 took it over. Well, I I'm not sure about the OP thing. I just know that 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 um, K2 wanted to they, they yeah. wanted to do their own sort of surf line that they were going to call yeah. K2 Surf and asked me if I had any ideas about how to make a massive or not massive, but just make a splash. Yeah. And at that point in time, I'd been kicking around this idea about um, the biggest wave wins because I had been involved in big wave surfing yeah. and I just had this idea um, one night watching CNN. I was, you know, have a little, my, my baby, my son Griffin was like a few months old and was just up late watching CNN over and over and they were talking about El Nino, El Nino, El Nino and it's going to come and it's going to, here's all these videos of destruction. I went, you know what, the El Nino's create, you know, that's when we get big waves because I'd seen the one in 82, 83 and said maybe someone's going to ride the biggest wave of all time this winter and what's going to happen? He'll just, you'll get a, like a half page picture in Surfer Magazine and his, and his boys will take him out for a beer somewhere and that, that'll be the end of it. Wow. But, but what if we sort of, Instead of, you know, because every other surf contest at that point in time, like the Eddie or, or, or the Smirnoff or whatever, the, the, the competitions, you waited for somewhere for the waves to come. And yeah. then when the day came, you everyone wore jerseys and you blew horns and you went and hopefully, you know. It was a day event, not a season It was a day event. event. Yeah. And it guaranteed was not going to encompass the biggest wave of the year even at that one spot. And I just said, hey, what about every spot? And that, at that point in time, Mavericks um, was coming in, Todos was coming in, Waimea, um, Jaws hadn't really you know, come to light too much. But it's like, okay, so any of these spots, biggest wave wins. And it was so audacious. It was yeah. just like, oh my God. Yeah, I just remember the two page spreads they, yeah. they pulled out K2 in mags. Big wave challenge. Yeah, yeah, we just dropped it, boom. And literally it from, that was a, plan that went from hey i've got an idea to it being you know in the magazine in about three weeks it yeah. just it, it was just such a pure you know obviously good idea that yeah. it just went and then it played out great at the you know all these guys peter mel getting huge waves of mavericks and and all these swells and then um taylor knox got the you know, 50, 50 foot wave at Toto santos that was just perfectly documented and it was on the cover of every surf mag and it, it was just it was just a home run. Who shot Rob yeah. Wilson? Well, um, there was a bunch of... Uh, Les Walker had the great the angle from the line. Was there, was there uh, money for the photographer? Yeah, too. photographer. Yeah, yeah and, and so I came up with this thing where yeah. hey, the surfers... The surfers get money, but the photographers and the videographers, they get paid. Yeah. And, and created... The, you know, and, and as it evolved over the next few years into the, the XXL um, Big Wave Awards... Um, just coming up with this this plan where it really works for the surfers. It they get money. Yeah. It's, it ex, expands their visibility, you know, a 
thousand fold. Yeah. But the content creators, this was kind of the early days of, you know, when no one called it content creators, yeah. but the, the guys who were shooting, you had to have them make sure that they were involved, not only that they would get a financial reward, but but that their credits, you know, and that they were getting value, you know, because they're competitive and they want to get the best shot. Yeah. They want to yeah. get attention for it. Making sure that, you know, coming from that background, I made sure that the photographers were taken care of and that, then the, the sponsors making sure that they were um, getting their value and then the fans were getting it delivered. Yeah. And, and that, that was definitely a, a great marketing scheme, idea, campaign that put K2 in people's minds. Yeah, and and then, and so that achieved their goal there, but it wasn't, it was only shortly thereafter, K2's issue was they were, and they were investing heavily in a lot of things, um, uh, but the rollerblade market, it was where they were making money hand over fist and that thing collapsed instantly. Wow. And so they pulled the plug on everything. They went from, so that was help. Help. That's what gave them all that liquid. So cash. they had all this liquid cash, and that was going in, into you know. And we had a deal where our real back end was in the earnout of okay, we're gonna make Kate bigger. And that that's kind of right where snowboarding really started to take off too. And they were a ski company. Yeah, you know, and and, you know. and but it, yeah. So that was taking off, but at the same time, it was everyone was jumping in. So we'd gone from. From with our Burning Snow label being a major player in the early '90s to being beat up by um, the the apparel, Columbia, Nike, and everyone else coming in and set, and being able to sell stuff similar to ours for a fraction of the price, and so that that turned the market around very quickly. But but the same, so suddenly K2 was was no longer investing, so it it, it went south really. Fast. They just had no money to yeah. put forward in these new projects. What and a went, okay, bummer because you created something so special, right? Yeah. And the air got taken out of the balloon. Yeah. And and so that and that was sad for everyone that was working there. But I saw the next opportunity was to say, hey, let's uh, at least this idea of this event is a good one. And then I partnered with... Um, uh, it was at that point swell.com. The whole internet boom was happening. Oh, yeah. So it's you know, she step off one sinking ship onto the you know, on the deck of the you next gotta one. look up past the horizon. Yeah, and so the inter the, the dot com boom was booming and at that point Surfline had been purchased by by swell dot com and you know, upstairs from Huntington Service. Yeah. And that so and they were it's so frustrating and like you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but it's so crazy how all these companies, these big conglomerate companies like K2 and Quicksilver, that time period where everyone was act acquiring businesses to, you know, get bigger and better, but oftentimes it, it you know, bit them in the ass. Yeah, a lot. And a, everybody. A, a lot of the acquisitions just didn't work yeah. out. There was just it just wasn't right, or the the whole f balloon deflated. Yeah. And, and which which ultimately happened with the the, the dot, dot com, com. thing yeah. happened. Yeah. You know, w within the next couple of years, that had basically Timing. swell went bankrupt, and and Surfline went. Sean Collins was able to take it back. Yeah. 
And so I had created the, the, the swell. And, I, and this is a funny thing, like, you know, we have this XXL swell is just almost this brand name for, for a giant swell event. Yeah. And that just came from me saying, hey, what rhymes with swell? Swell XXL big wave. <laughs> oh, that's Witty it, over here. That's where it, that's where it came from. And yeah. but ultimately, then swell went bankrupt, went away. Billabong. And then and so I got and 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 Surfline didn't really have the the resources to 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 do that um, to continue it. So I went to Billabong, and who was at that point, you know, Bob Hurley had just jumped. Had just you know walked away from the the license oh and my gosh. and um, they were setting up their whole operation the new operations from Australia and got and Paul Nade was hired and Graham Stapleberg and so they were looking for a way to um, kind of reinforce their image whereas Quicksilver was the big wave brand prior to that they had the Eddie, Eddie they had go. all the surfers yeah. Eddie yeah. would go. And they said, hey, what can we do? And I said, well, let's let me just mix all this stuff together, and we'll call it the the, the Billabong XXL Big Wave Awards. At the same time, I've got this idea for this adventure thing where we'll go searching for the hundred foot wave, and we'll call it the Billabong Odyssey. Yeah. And so all of that just you know just kind of pulling tissues out of the box with one idea after the other. And, yeah. And um, it was smart for those brands, Billabong and Quicksilver, because you know you had the marquee like tour athletes and stuff. And then, you know, you had the lifestyle free surfers and this was like the, the, the trinity of like, you know, encompassing like athletes, you know, and because yeah. they weren't really highlighted and most big wave surfers like, dude, I wasn't doing it for like the accolades or the money or whatever. I just do it because we're crazy, yeah. you know, yeah. but it was good. They were finally getting the, the acknowledgement and the money you know, reward as well, even though most of them, like I said, would... Yeah, well, they were... And of course, there was controversy. But they should be you're, you're, lure, you're luring these guys to their death with these... You know, yeah. With these bounties for their waves. And, but, but the guys are going to be doing it anyway. And, and by doing it correctly and, and giving them... It really just created a platform and just sort of an annual thing where we sell we we have a champion everyone yeah. loves the champion and, yeah. and and it and it worked really well and for the brands it was they were really at a point where the core endemic um audience was already trained but anything that we could do to take the message to a mainstream audience and nothing reaches that like a big wave on CNN or something. Yeah. And that was really uh, where. Yeah. I mean, outside of Kelly Sladen winning his whatever title, like big waves are the only thing that would it's, really yeah. get mainstream play. It's, you know, it's shark attacks and big waves are really the, 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 the way to. The only two questions ever get asked. You ever you ever you ever see a shark out there? And what's the biggest wave you've ever taken off? Yeah, from? Like, yeah, and, and and it just it doesn't like the it doesn't require explanation. It's mm -hmm. biggest wave wins and t bit wave so big it could kill dude. You know, and that's all you have to say. Yeah, and it's not like you know the surfer riding the the biggest wave with doing the most number of turns with speed, power, and flow through the sections with with you know progressive maneuvers and. You know, on a score of 6.5. It's like, no, you don't get it. So there's a double XL awards. You know, you had biggest wave, worst wipeout, biggest barrel, best paddle, best toe. You know, they started like growing into other categories. Yeah, yeah. We, we started in the beginning, it was just biggest wave wins. Yeah. And then it, it shifted to, um, you know, an award for 
for paddle, you know, so, so we had the biggest unlimited and the biggest paddle. Best performance. And then best overall performance yeah. was crucial. And then before long, it was really that the, the, if you get the biggest wave and you go straight, so what? It's really the ride of the year became uh, um, the marquee category. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was... It's crazy how things like that evolve into more categories. Yeah. And then, you know, when we first talked about big waves and, and you know there's really two or three defined big wave spots right and now there's even more and now there's even you know more participants and oh, women yeah freaking charging yeah it highlights the surfer it also highlights the country and the, and the wave itself like you said there yeah. there was only a few highlight spots that were consistent yeah. and, and known now, now you got this you see that left in ireland Holy smokes. Well, I mean, that was the thing. It was super inclusive. It was the, the democratization yeah. of surfing, really. You know, through the, through the, that anyone can enter as long as you're not a, you know, crazy kook. And, yeah. and so that led to like Belhara, France, oh, yeah. suddenly coming in. Remember, you know, that wave, which and then Nazare emerged yeah. from the mist. And then Mullamore, you know, in, in Ireland. And, and then at the same Nazare, time. like, uh, how come we never heard of it until like this past decade? Um, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's always been there. And it's, it's, it's so weird. And it's weird, but it's, it's, there's also, you, there's waves that, uh, breaking out there that you can't see because you don't know what, you, what you're, you're seeing. And, it, and it's not, it's really the use of the jet ski. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's right a up lethal, against the cliff. It's a lethal wave without the the proper preparation. Yeah, and it, and it was people looked at it for hundreds of years. Surfers looked at it for 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 decades, but it, it didn't look like a wave. But it, what it, it and it's a giant beach break. And if you don't have a jet ski and you don't have flotation, you don't have someone to pick you up. Yeah. you will die. You will, you're it's, not going out. Yeah, so it's it's <laughs> not a place for solo. You know, man, to be alone. Yeah. In the I sea. mean, we went to Puerto Escondido a lot as the train in the summer yeah. off season from Hawaii. And obviously, it's big, but like you mentioned, we didn't have yeah. jet skis, yeah, didn't boards. have vests. We did have, we had big boards, and there'd be days where you're like, it looks twelve foot, or it could be twenty five because nobody's on it. You know, like most everybody would paddle out up to like proper twelve foot, and after that, it's like, yeah, you're gonna die if you don't have proper like water yeah. patrol and jet skis. But yeah, the accessibility with all you know, life-saving. Yeah, you know, I mean, at, at a jet ski, you're gonna start. Like we talked to Buzzy, right? Yeah. Airbox. We had him on the podcast, and you know, they're the first people to really tow into waves, right? Yeah. And the evolution of what they started, you know, to what people are doing in waves. But I think to commend what you've done, Bill Sharpie Sharp. You know, creating this like award platform for big wave surfing. Think about indirectly how you coming up with that, that idea have pushed the limits of big wave surfing. Well, you, you know, know what I mean, I, I in some ways I've I've always felt that what I'm doing is a mirror reflecting what the guys are doing rather than an engine propelling. These guys. I mean, you can look at it any way you want, but yeah. I, but I think it's it's it providing a context, and I think one of the things that, that I'll take credit for is 
is, hey, it, let's not say that these waves are 22 feet, you know, which on the North Shore, on the, these outer reef waves that, you know, let's say that that was a 60 foot wave. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let's just not cap it off. It, the waves don't get bigger at 22 or the ultimate. Well, know, the, buoy, the buoy is reading, uh, you know, 18. You know, yeah. And that, that whole Hawaiian yeah, yeah. macho thing of yeah. we're just going to call it half or a third of what it is. Let's just, you know, give. And that's really what the. the in my mind at that point in the late 90s like the the x games was getting all these this cred for for these guys doing bmx tricks or or doing yeah. skate stuff that yeah, was they, i mean till this day in the half pipe they have the the meter same on the yeah. super uh super ramp or whatever they mega have the, yeah the mega ramp they have the meter like yeah, oh he's but, 18 feet above the thing. yeah like, let's just not undercall it let's yeah. you know that it's not doing anyone a service that, to, it, to every call time these... you say it's only it's flat to one to two it's really four foot when i'm out there bro <laughs> but but it is but, but still you know i i yeah, it, it, the, the waves were two to three feet th this morning, but really the faces on the biggest ones were maybe six feet. You know, it's see it's, that, Lar? You know, if if you really are going to be you know measuring it with a stick, you know, yeah. almost head high, but but, but, but where we call it two to three. But honestly, Sharpie, the K two big wave challenge probably because of the attention and think about all that attention and how long it lasted, right? Yeah. And and getting in front of young kids like, dude, look at what Kyle Lenny is doing these days and that Lucas Chumbo or Yeah. You know, all around the world there's so many fucking big wave surfers. Justine what's her name? Justine DuPont. DuPont, DuPont. And yeah. that Maya Gab whatever. I mean there's so many. It's, and I, I think but I it, think though, you know, to give you the credit of like doing that and doing it for so many years, it's definitely brought more uh, attention and like these these people that are doing it, there's way more people doing it. They aspire to that because of the original. It's just, you know, I, ju I just provided a framework yeah. really and um, big wave surfing became a viable career path for yeah. people. Yeah, I mean, dude, for sure. Like all, there's a, a lot of people made, made money, you yeah. know, which is great. Anything you can make money on your passion and, and those guys, really got the short end of the stick a lot because it wasn't you know there was no sh way to showcase it it was kind of yeah you know kind of you know i'm doing it for the love and whatever but i mean a lot of those guys you know and, good money. You, you, and we're to the point now where you know a kai lenny or a garrett mcnamara is as famous yeah. as just about any mm -hmm. other surfer other surfer yeah. that you're gonna find you i mean know. they did an hbo documentary yeah. on McNamara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you narrate? Are you? Involved? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm involved. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. I, I was a. So I was a call, bro. I would, well, I, it wasn't in your uh, bio. And no, we would have been, it would have been a 15 minute intro. <laughs> yeah, the, the bio. Yeah. So, so, and then that's to, to get us a little closer to, to modern day. That's what I've been doing for the last couple of years is um, working on. Um, being involved in that, I was the explainer really of you know for, that was kind of my role in the in the the first season was talking about um, you know just helping link the episodes together mm. and and sort of giving a context to, to what was going can, on. And it, now I gotta we, watch that. Can oh, we talk just about the Cortez Bank and that? Was it ever surfed prior to that trip or um, with? 
and, and that's a, you know, I got a lot of topics I could go into, but that, that, <laughs> but you know, I mean, and Chris Dixon, for anyone who hasn't read it, his book Ghost Wave, um, okay, that's still Ghost Wave, oh, Ghost, Ghost Wave by Chris Dixon, and it's, um, he, he wrote it, um, I don't know, almost 2007 or, you know, over yeah. 10 years ago. Um, but it's the full story of Cortez Bank from beginning to end. Of, and, 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 it's, and it's such a fascinating topic that, yeah. that here, 100 miles off our coast right here is probably the biggest wave on the planet. Yeah. And, no, and it went unnoticed forever. Um, yeah, bigger I, than I'm just Nazare, bigger than for sh- for sure on the right wow. swell. Yeah, um, and, 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 and everything. And Nazare is is consistently big, but it's it's like teepee waves, yeah. where where the 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 sort of reflection of or refraction of of yeah. the waves crossing up will make these super tall. It's like a canyon peak, like you yeah. have in a lot of places, but but it tends to just be up there and and drop out. Whereas Cortez is essentially a point break. This big ass wave, and if it starts <laughs> off as a sixty foot wave, it's staying a sixty foot wave for a half a mile. I mean, it's, it's fucking. It, it's it's. it's un- I haven't watched it. It's like a a cloud break reef that like times a hundred, like out in the middle yeah. of like nowhere. Like, yeah, that, that's what it is, and it and no, it's, but right, but um, and that it, so the and again the the, the backstory on that is that I had been when I was working at Surfing Magazine we had um, Flame who was the, the was the photo editor and a, you know legendary photographer and waterman he had um, he was a, had a sailboat too and he he along with Sean Collins were were spent a lot of time sailing um, and had the this chart book of the California coast. And we, whatever it's always was always out on the um, uh, on the light table, and there was a spot out you know out beyond San Clemente Island, which was already sixty miles out, but forty miles out, where Bishop Rock showed at half a fathom on the chart, and we just started going. It's waves have got to break there, like it's three feet deep. You know, waves have got to break, right? And so somebody saw a chart. And it showed the depth of yeah. the ocean. Well, we we saw that, and and and, it, and it's not like it's unknown. It's pe- people it's fish, called, yeah, you know, fish and dive out there all the time because it's, it's the end of the Channel Island yeah, chain. So yeah, it's, 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 it's an island that never, yeah, it's just through. just one of the one of those islands that didn't come all the way out of the water, or yeah. if it did, it sort of you know got off. eroded back down, and. So at some point, you know, he, he had a buddy, Mike Castillo, was a crazy ass bush pilot. Oh, um, I've been on his plane many yeah. times. And so they waited for a big swell and they flew out there. And it was actually in 1990, the, the Eddy swell that, that where they had that, where um, Brock Little rode those gigantic, you know, it was like the biggest waves ever at um, Waimea. And so two days later, they, they went and flew out there just to look and took photos and it was you couldn't tell how big it was it was just there was this wave that was breaking out in the middle of the ocean um, miles and miles and miles away from anything and one little buoy you know warning buoy out there and just this totally rideable right hand wave and and so then we put together an expedition to go out there and paddle it Um, and that was and so George Hulse, if you remember him, yeah. and um, Sam George and I got recruited by Flame, and we went out there on a 29-foot boat on a on a really small day. It was like a eight-foot swell, and and we went out there. And there were 
holy shit, there were waves breaking out there. It was like kind of like big pinballs, you know, kind of capping and what rolling year this? through. It was in 1990, 91, wow. yeah, December of 1990. And, um, and it was, you know, we, we dropped buoys in the, because cause I knew that, hey, well, there's nothing to line up. What's the spooky thing about it? So you're, you're sitting there, especially at that size, there's, when, the, when it's a lull, there's no waves breaking. And you look around and there's nothing, you know, because you're always used to seeing a, a pier or a hill or a or tree, a, or, a tree or something. You can line, triangulate some kind of lineup. It's one of the first things you do if you're, you're surfing. You kind of know, hey, I, the waves are breaking here. I want to be in that spot. But there was nothing, no frame of reference at all. So it was super disorienting. So kind of anticipating that, we made a bunch of buoys and drop them like along kind of the edge there. And so we had a sense of where the waves were gonna be. And we went out there and George caught the first wave, I caught the next one and you know, got some big smooth long turns. We went, God, this is a real wave. Yeah. And okay. A long point break wave. Well, it was a long point break wave and just, well, okay, let's come back on a, on a big swell. And it's just, um, they, they, the next winter, they, or a winter or two later, they tried to go out with the, the body glove, the disappearance, the big boat, yeah. and came around the, the end of San Clemente Island. It was just blowing uh, wind. wind, and it was just everyone just got seasick. They turned around, and, and it basically just got filed away that, like, this place is too gnarly to, to, to surf. Wow. But then 10 years later, when toe surfing came back, I just went, oh, that's you how remembered. You, I remembered. I said, "That's how you do it. We can, if we can put jet skis on a boat and go out there and put the jet skis in and then tow into these waves and then be able to to um, rescue guys. Um, that's the way to do it because it's just you would get caught inside for sh like you know horribly. So yeah. And so that that scheme I, I called Project Neptune and we put it together. You know with with you know surfing magazine and what's at that point I was doing surf news and, and got just a, another sort of community thing together yeah. just in, in Parsons that that winter then then Mike Parsons and Brad Gerlach and Pete Mel and Skin Skin Dog and the, went out there and it was in step and ended up being documented in step into liquid and yeah. and at the same time I was doing the 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 awards and so that one Mike's way won the the um, swell XXL that year and everything just sort of tied together and and put it up put it on the the map of, of um, for sure one of the biggest waves in the world that we know of but yeah but just when you say that, that that's the end of it then Nazare appears and yeah. there's there, the Jaws is like and, and then at that same time Jaws really came yeah. into its own and suddenly there's seventy foot waves everywhere you look <laughs> yeah. you know it and, was and, and the Looking at a lot of those old photos in the mags, I mean, it looks superimposed. Like, I mean, it didn't look real. It was that yeah. big, you yeah. know. Yeah. The photos, it just like little. Specs. And, and, and that was another part of what got the mainstream attention. Is now this is adventure, you know, that you're going 100 miles to sea and you're riding this wave that no one had ever heard of before, and it's 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 like as if someone noticed that there was a a, a mountain behind Mount Baldy, you know, you're in L.A. and there, there's a something bigger than Mount Everest, but no one really noticed it before. Yeah. It's yeah. that absurd that there's this wave that no one had ever seen before. Yeah. Think about how many times it's been perfect in the 100 foot. Oh, it's, <laughs> you just yeah. go back, and, you know. And so we started hindcasting, going back. What about this swell? What about that swell? Yeah. And and then through, you know, after, after that, there were a lot of strikes, strike missions out there. And a lot of guys rode, you know, a lot of good waves. It's funny to think 
like guys like Gerlach and Parsons who, you know, they're California dudes that surf. Tour surfer dudes that, you know, that charge. Small, surf small waves, you know, yeah. like you never pictured them to be big wave dudes. It's, I, I mean, that's kind of, it's big wave surfing in some ways sort of extended the life expectancy oh, of, a, of a lot of guys. Yeah. And, and like Parsons and Gerlach and Shane Dorian, you yeah. Know, yeah. that you didn't, you know, ended up having this extra boost of, of um, capability, you know, and, and the, the able to do it into their thirties yeah. and forties and fifties, you know. It's awesome. Yeah. That's what is cool about our industry, how it's, you know, morphed into more categories and, you know, subcultures within the culture, you know, big wave surfing, Hipster well, surfing. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, when I started, it was like you were, other than being a kneeboarder, you were mostly like a, a you know, a, a blonde, white, short, short dude that, you know, that, that, yeah. that rode away with a beaver tail. And and now you can be, a, you know, a surfer girl, and you can be thin, you can be large, you can be, you can be a hipster, you can ride a foamy, you yeah. can ride a, you know, plenty of people making money riding foamies. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, there's you can just be whatever you want to be, and and yeah, you know, and not be shit, you know. So of course, people, the haters going to hate, but yeah. but it's just kind of hey, it's all good. Everyone's, you know, uh, you know, there's. And anyone that says, oh, it's crowded and there's bad vibes, they don't know what bad vibes were. And <laughs> there's, it's, it's nothing like it was in the 70s. Yeah. You know, there, was, there was, you know, you have to be really out of line to get punched out yeah. nowadays. Oh, so, you yeah. know, back then it was just, if you just look showed up. You, you just yeah, showed up, show. looked different, didn't, weren't recognized, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You ain't from around here, are you, boy? Yeah. <laughs> Out of here. And I mean, there was places that, like, I never surfed um, Lunata Bay. Yeah. You know, even though it's it's just... Right around the corner. You know, right around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And if I wanted to, in my younger days, if I wanted to surf a big purple wave, I would go, I would go to La Jolla. You know, yeah. go surf blacks or something, because I knew that I would get murdered if I went to yeah. Lunata Bay. The, the mystique was that thick. Or, yeah. And God forbid, Hollywood by the Sea or Oxenart. Yeah. And I, I would have been, you know, legend had it, yeah. you know, they, they, they wouldn't find your body. So um, transitioning to today, what, what what's your day-to-day now? Well, my day-to-day, you know, I, I was with the World Surf League um, for uh, six years, I, wow. I think. Um, and Running their big wave. Running big wave, you know, and sort of the, the, and so the gap in the story is that the, um, the, there was a time in around 2014-2015 where the industry was having another convulsion and Quicksilver basically went bankrupt. Billabong was on the ropes about to, everything was getting cut back and, and consolidated and, and they're just it was Bill Bond didn't have the the resources at that point in time to keep doing the XXL, and so I saw an opportunity to, to shift over to the World Surf League, which at that point was, you know, on another just another buying spree, you know, going on. They, they, yeah. At that point, they were snapping up any opportunity available, and so along with Graham Stapleberg, who had been the marketing director there, we sort of moved a lot of what we were doing over to the World Surf League, and. Um, uh, and it was a good, uh, in addition to running the, the Big Wave Awards, I also was um, given the responsibility unexpectedly to be the general manager of the Big Wave Tour. Oh, 
mm. and so ran all the tour events that we did it from Puerto Escondido to Jaws, um, Nazare, you know, an aborted attempt at Mavericks and Toto Santos, and ran all those events, and then um, uh, in 2020 with the COVID and budget cuts and other issues, it just kind of the their willingness to stay involved in deeply in big wave just wasn't there. So by, by the, when my contract ran out in the end of 2020, it just, mm. I went, went on to, at that point sort of hopped over to the HBO thing was, was going, um, it had been working on that. And, wow. And then, um, the first season went well. And then for the second season, I was um, a co-producer and had been cool. working kind of behind the scenes to do some West coast stuff. And of course we had the worst West coast winter in history. So didn't really, uh, knock it out of the park, uh, the way content wise I was hoping, but, but just, that's just like, like I said, it's just been 40 some years of, of just coming up with one idea after the other just yeah. to avoid getting a real job and, and, <laughs> and continuing to be able to surf you know my my beloved you know waves this yeah. morning and, and still at 61 years old still being able to you know get, that's a, awesome. get a couple barrels and and you know everything still works yeah that's, that's awesome that's the way we like to keep it you know try so, to work less and surf more yeah B mixing business with pleasure yeah well, what do you uh, What do you write now? What, just I uh, to, sort of to backtrack to one of the other questions about. Um, I just I have basically my own templates, and I just sort of have generally someone shape it, and, I, and I've shaped a couple boards, but mostly I have Cordell Miller. Cordell, um, nice. Um, because most of my boards, I, I get custom blanks with a ton of rocker, yeah. and then I'll do the, here's my template, and I'll cut it out and start it, but I've always had trouble sort of getting the two rails to match perfectly. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just not that good at it. Concave, so. hardening the edge and tail. Uh, like yeah, I can make one side just the way I want, but I can't get the other side to match. So so, um, so he just, he finishes them off and then cool. I, paint, I paint them. So I've, so I've got a little fleet of, um, of my boards that- awesome. Do you do glass-ons or do you- um, I have Futures. Um, you know, nice. um, you know, but mostly really big. I've, I'm riding four fins. Um, and generally with a really big like an MR template um, up front and like a little smaller one in the back. And nice. mostly just made for just kind of trying to get the best wave and take off deep and you know, yeah. hopefully get barreled and then come out and do a turn. And, so you know, barreled and go fast. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's basically all I can do. I'm not ever going to, yeah. you know, do a thousand wiggles. How have um, you been to a wave pool? I have. Um, and actually, I was in the, there was a sort of a wave pool rush in the 80s and went to a number of wave pools and did some articles and um, uh, checked all that out. But none of them were super amazing. But I, Where I were they back then? Um, the, the best one then was in um, Cleveland, Ohio. It was called Jaga Lake. And it was kind of that huh. flush technology where you like have a big tank and it flushes out and you have a wave every couple minutes and, huh. and kind of pump. Down the Cleveland, bit, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio. Interesting. And and what was it called? It was called Jaga Lake. It was a, it was like just a water park. Yeah. And then um, Allen, I uh, was there at the Allentown, um, the contest yeah. that they had there, which that place is um, horrible, horrible, absolutely horrible. Yeah. But but Tom Carroll, because he was he was the only guy that could do three turns because he had his his thighs were like tree trunks, so yeah. he could get in that third turn. 
everyone else could only do two, so he won by a mile. Um, and then the Palm Springs um, had one at that point in time, and then Irvine had, had one too. But yeah. they, they were kind of that little flush, yeah. the little, or not, not the big flush, but the slap, yeah. the slap yeah. ponds, and they, they just weren't, especially Powered for a kneeboarder, no, yeah. you know, no way. You could barely, you know, Rob Machado, when he was weighed 80 pounds, was. Now he weighs 85. Yeah. <laughs> With his hair, with his dreads, <laughs> with it, with his hair. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's funny, you know. I got got photos of like him and Kelly when they were little kids. You know, yeah, suited them. But, but, um, but my modern wave pool experience really, I, I I've had a, got three waves at Ke at the Lamore pool, yeah. which was nice. awesome. And I really want to go to Waco because I think that that sort of suits me. But I haven't. Um, I haven't gotten. I, to I, it. I, ha I yeah. haven't gotten to it. Late nights been there twice. Yeah, I think I'm I'm ready to go back, but I'm gonna wait. I guess till Palm Springs opens up. It's kind of similar, yeah. I think. Yeah. So 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 I think there's gonna be a new Dude, generation. Isn't it mind blowing how the wave pool phenomenon is exploding right before our eyes, and they're better than we've ever imagined them to be. It's, yeah, and I, I I though I wonder about the business model. Yeah. You know, yeah. And that's the the. Um, the economics of it because you're like okay kelly's wave is an unbelievable wave it's the yeah. best wave it is it is a 55 seconds of bliss yeah and it's as perfect as any wave in the world but but whatever it works out to be three four hundred dollars a wave five hundred six hundred dollars a wave that doesn't alienates a lot. It alienates a lot of people. Yeah. But then you go, oh well, well you know, if we it's if exclusive. we if we bring in this sort of country club idea and we're gonna you know build a bunch of houses around it, like the I think the the the, 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 the Coral Mountain yeah. one in Coachella, yeah. there are plenty of people that that works yeah. for. Um, yeah. But obviously that wave has whatever been around for seven, eight, ten years, whatever it's been, it's really, there hasn't moved to the second one. Though though it does appear from, from my distant view that that's one of the things within the WSL umbrella that actually has, you know, is viable economically, that there's, there's yeah. something there that people will pay for that. And I just, I don't know about the smaller ones because none of those other 80s parks really, um, was able to succeed in terms of being a surf resort. Yeah. Um, it was, they would end up just being, okay, we just got to let the, the boogie boarders and the swimmers, the, the only way this thing's ever going to pencil out is to cram 50 people an hour in yeah. and not four people an hour. And Waco seemed to pull it off. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of waves. Yeah. That's, that's the beauty, you know, and a lot less stress. I mean, Everybody wants to surf Rincon on the best day, yeah. or a super bank, or well, you know, whatever. But people also want to surf 54th Street on the best day, you know. That, so it's yeah. a different, different it, way. And, and then, and then the, but but it is amazing. There's so many different technologies yeah. that you're yeah, seeing. That, that big plunge, plunge I was that punch thing is. The I would love to see is, that in person because it just rattled. blows me away. It seems like that thing's got to break a lot because there's just so there's the, such the, stress on that the, big that's structure looks so fucking huge it's it's so mad max yeah it's just it's you know, mad max that's a and it's just st steampunk you know gone surfing it's just yeah. radical and then the, I, i've seen um some of the the like the other wave wave park or whatever it is yeah, the, the wave, garden. wave garden that yeah. um some of the, the waves in japan or whatever yeah, it yeah. looks that one in korea North or the one, yeah, the one in korea. that one looks so yeah and it's what it's, blows me away is yeah all over the world there's, you know, Korea, China's got wave pools, you know, Europe's got wave pools, and then 
we're gonna have four way pools in Palm Springs in the next four or five years. That's like, crazy. Well, that's phenomenal. Well, you look at the the per capita like surfer, you know, versus other parts, you know, like I mean, there's a lot of people here, a lot of surfers. Yeah. So yeah, it makes sense to put it where there's a lot of people. It sounds totally viable because I, I, you know, I, Palm Springs, the the magic wears off for me after, you know, Amen. a, a, a know. day or two at the pool. But I could, I, I and I and I think it's totally realistic to, to have that sort of Tavarua mindset a little bit where you say, hey, my crew is going to book in. You know, every year we're gonna have this three, three day, seven day, whatever thing where we get all, all the crew days, together, surf two days, and we're gonna surf two days. We're gonna party. We're yeah, gonna get massages. Tennis, the wife's, you know, whatever. Bachelor birthdays, corporate, family. Like, I mean, you, you know, events. Just to be able to schedule good waves yeah. is just. I mean, isn't that's the holy grail, really? Yeah. You know, it's, going back to Kelly's pool, that place is booked for two years. Yeah, you know, and it's sixty grand in the summer and. You know, fifty-five in the winter, like something. Like and that. that's and that, so that does pencil out. It, 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 I mean, I guess I, it, you know, at the, but but it's a, it's a upscale. You know, you yeah, have to yeah. be able to. You well, know, you, even if you're a subdivider, like you know, K Kelly Sorensen does with the. I uh, love him. You know, we, it, he he. He invited us. Um, He's a friend of the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah friend. Hey, Kelly, what's yeah, up? Yeah, um, Kelly. But, but, you know, um, on the beach. Uh, on the beach in uh, uh, Car Carmel. He's but he but it's um you know when you're subdividing you're like okay I'm gonna buy it and ju yeah. just like it's like Tavarua just like Tavarua yeah. this is my week and I'm or yeah. my day or whatever yeah. my weekend and I'm gonna get all my people to to sort of buy it timeshare yeah you know but that's that's legit just, it's he, smart like for him to be able to go how many times he can go you yeah. know and yeah it's smart and I I think uh, it's a viable thing it's funny. Last week, uh, a friend of mine at Moffitt, like this fair, anyways, he's going to USC Business School right now. And his project is to, their project, school project, is to put together like a proposal to hotels for WSL for the wave pool. <laughs> I mean that. What? Yeah, what? Yeah. Why not? How funny is that? But they're looking for bougie, like you know, yeah, five and star. That's, and 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 that, that's not the first time that someone sort of trotted out yeah. that that concept. And it's something that that it's. Do you follow? Um, sorry to cut you off, but do you follow Jonathan Wayne Freeman? Uh, not always with the sound on. <laughs> it comes across my feed, but yeah. So he was in the Maldives, right? And when he was showing the surroundings, he's like talking about all these multi-million dollar yachts. Yeah. Like people on the like islands 50, and stuff there. You know, it's crazy yeah. how many rich people there are in the world. Mm -hmm. And concentrated in this one spot in the Maldives is like 50 to 60, 70 boats. Yeah. Yachts. It's the Caribbean of Asia, you know. Yeah. 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 But think about that in one spot. And he got skunked. Like there was no waves that whole trip. Yeah. Think about if you're that billionaire, right? And it's it's money's no object to you, right? Like instead of if you're pressed for time and you're like, "Hey, you know what? I want to get perfect waves on Monday." You could do that. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I mean, I I'm, I'm still bitter for the last two times I went to Tavaru. It sucked, you know? And and but it's it, the, you know, it's it's experience, it's the people. Oh, for the, sure. Yeah. But but, but to go not, on a surf trip, get, like not get waves. you don't have to get on a, a 
you don't have to travel for two and a half days. Yeah. Right? And you're guaranteed perfect waves. Yeah, we met a doctor at one of the trips at, at Kelly Slater's pool, and he's there for like Jeffrey five days. Hayden. And we're like, holy smokes, that's so expensive. He's like, well, I'm, I don't have time. Like, I can only get a few days off. Yeah. And I'm guaranteed to like, you know, get my waves. And, and yeah. I'm in and out. You know, I could have flown he anywhere. He was pretty good. He was ripping, yeah, for sure. But, that's, but, 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 that, but it works but, for some uh, people. But uh, the anxiety yeah. of your first wave. <laughs> can we talk about that? The, oh. the first wave that you get at Kelly's pool, I've never, and I think this is a common trait, I've never felt such performance anxiety doing anything. Yeah. The, the fear that, A, you're, you're going to ruin you know the cost, yeah. and and you're you only pay? allotted. No, I, it was a, an, an employee <laughs> thing, but I was still only allotted three ways. Yeah, and so the the Pure shame yeah. that was going to come if Dude. you didn't catch the wave, bro. I missed a wave oh. on my. Was that my last? Oh, trip? dude! I, I, I missed know. a wave, but luckily Kelly goes, dude, take my next wave. Kook, kook, and, and, and guess what? And it, Bill, Mr. Sharpie, I had been there like. Seven or eight times already. Yeah, I should have known better. But but, but it's <laughs> but, but that first wave, man, of just going. If, if I miss this wave, I, the, the oh, levels of shame, down. hatred, and self-loathing. Yeah. It was, but but, but but it turned out okay. Yeah. You know, got, but, got, it's, but it's addicting. You know, like. Well, oh. yeah. Well, because and then you just go, oh, I could have done so much better. And that's know. what you do. Each, each wave, you're like. I should have, would have, could have, and yeah. the next wave's the same thing. So you, you know, it's a, and it's, it's a really never do it right. Feeling. You either get too deep and blow it, or you're you're too far out and you could. I'm usually deeper. too deep because I want to get aggressive. Yeah, yeah no, and, and 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 it plays with your mind. You know, it it's does. really the, the, and it's such a you can't help but put a value on that re resource yeah. that, that I, I you know, and sort of push it the other way where I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to nurse this one a little bit because I don't want to risk blowing it. And that kind of sucks, too. Yeah, That sucks even like, more, too. Well, yeah. not even more, but, yeah, you're like, because of if you do pay, right? Yeah. I've only had to pay once, and I've been like eight times. She's got And um, the day that I paid, I, fell I got way. four waves. I fell on two. <laughs> it's stress. No, it's yeah. so stressing. And, and like I remember, my, you know, clear as day, my first wave, and I got, I got okay, I've got it, I'm going, and yeah. I'm cruising, and I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm just, I'm dodging on this one. I'm just gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna blow this wave. Yeah. And then after a while, I'm just going, okay, this wave is so perfect. It's, I, I just gotta, I gotta, you know. And so I stall a little bit, and, and uh, it was on the right and on that section, and then it just. Passed me by, yeah. ran away from me, just like because I, I didn't, I didn't know. Well, you got the jet ski like in the corner eye, and they're yeah. trying to yell, yell at you. They're yelling at you, yeah. and there's, everything's being documented from twelve different angles. And do you, it, do yeah. you remember that? Uh, so fun. Old uh, show on Saturdays, like it was uh, Danny. Gosh, what's his name? The old school singer, um, Danny K. Danny K. Yeah. Remember all those movies he used to make? Yeah. And then there's like. Where, where people are giving him advice. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Remember those movies where... No, you're go, digging really deep on this Dude, one. <laughs> if, you, if you remember, you, you'll be, oh, I know what you're talking about. But it's like he's, he's like going to fight, some, shoot somebody in a duel. And he's getting advice from all these people. Like, oh, if you lean to the left, you know, when the sun mm -hmm. goes down over here, you got to lean to the left. And, oh, the wind's going to blow, you got to shoot. So he's putting all these things together. That's you yeah. at Surf Ranch listening to all these people, you know. 
That was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Your analogy sucks. <laughs> I liked his Mexican food analogy. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're right. Did you edit any of this out? I, I will. No, no. That's I'm getting out. Not even. I'm taking that out. No. I don't want to sound stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, thanks, man. I don't know what else to say <laughs> no, after I, that. I, I'm I, just going to leave it at that. Oh, no. I got, you know, that, that, so wait, that's enough for now. So I, HBO, you, are you still doing that or is that over? Uh, yeah, or? it's, um, I'm still, uh, yes, it's it's still, the. I don't know if there's going to be season three, but season two is definitely coming out, um, I think, in August. Sick. And it's the further adventures of, you know, you, you've got to, if you've seen it, you totally know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's, it's just like any any yeah. any sort it's of. It's gotten a lot of attention. It's it's got look. I've been doing this stuff for 40 years. I've never there's nothing I've done has gotten as much global awareness as this show. That's I mean, I, I get recognized all the time. Just and and so positive. It's just like everyone. I just I love the show. Now yeah. no no one ever says that sucked. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. but if you told me that um, uh, the, there's going to be a six hour docu-series on Garrett McNamara and Nazare. I would say that's the dumbest idea. Yeah. There's no way that's going to be watchable. On I mean, HBO? I thought it was originally going to be like a one-hour thing, and then yeah. it ended up, it just grew. And and to just have a shout-out to the, the guys who made it, um, Chris Smith, the director, and Joe Lewis, the producer, who've, who've done a lot of major things on, on television. Um, uh, they... Their approach, everything. They, they their just they, well, they're they're they don't come from this. You know, we got to make thing of a uh, surf film mode. They're um, they they're documentarians, and they they were able to look into it and see these stories that were right in front of our faces the whole time. But that Garrett and his backstory, and Andrew Cotton and his his life to 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 take on this challenge and all the the personalized stories of these characters is yeah. just amazing and and it it's just addicting to yeah. watch it and you just want to know hey what's going to what's going to happen next and I'm going to so, go watch it right now and so yeah you you'll like it and then and then it seemed to me okay well how how are you going to do another you know, year about Nazareth and Garrett and stuff, but a lot of shit went down this year. Yeah. There's a lot of, lot of stuff and a lot of other characters kind of coming into it. And um, if you like, I, 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 you know, we'll, we'll, it's nowhere near being done right now. They just they, they've shot hundreds and hundreds of hours of everything that went on. And Crystal is just going through and just pulling out, finding these storylines that I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that one Kai Lenny where he like gets caught inside, but he doesn't let go of his GoPro, and he's filming like this. Is what it's like to get caught inside a Ma- you know a <laughs> Nazare, and I'm like, who was Toss- Kai Lenny? Oh, she's. I'm like Todd. What are you doing, dude? Yeah. Like you know, like that. You know, just seems like such, it, it, so cool perspective. But and like, it's just like those it, guys it, do. It, it's and incredible. it's just like any sort of surf spot and its weird group of locals, the Huntington Pier or yeah. where, wherever it's going to be, there's just these oddball characters that sort of drift in and drift out and the, the people that sort of run, you know, especially in Nazareth, it's just the, the, it's like my second home almost. It's, it is the best place. You go there a lot? Yeah, I've, I've, I've gone there usually like um, three times a year or so. Yeah. When, you know, and and it's, you know came up with the whole idea to do the, the Nazareth Challenge, the, 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 the paddle event and then the tow event. So I was I ran all those. Have you um, taken any word out there, bro? No, not there. No, it's too. It's it, <laughs> that it, would be a crazy. It's ass it's ride. like it's like sixty foot um, Balboa shore break. You know, <laughs> it, 
no thanks. It's just no. Um, but 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 if you've been to Portugal, there's obviously just down the road to Air Sierra, yeah. and uh, there's a million other great ways. Yeah, down yeah it's there. beautiful country. Portugal is. It's a trip. How many good ways there are? Oh, it was one of my favorite places to go. And I, you know, people are always like wanting to go to Indo or Fiji or Taver, you know, somewhere warm and tropical because I mean that's that's the dream, you know, yeah. board choice. But there's plenty of good coastline it's, in spots like Portugal where there's a lot. It's of good like ways. during my magazine days and my traveling early days, never was on my radar. Went to yeah. France, went to Spain, you know, did did all that, but never. A, no one talked about any yeah. d- good things going on in Portugal, and I don't, I, I, I can't explain it. Yeah. But, but it's there are so many good waves there. The people are unbelievable. They almost all speak English. Um, the food is outrageous, and then there's a there's a ton of good waves, and they, they like there's signs saying you know park here, you know welcome, you know it's just yeah, very very hospitable yeah. culture and people. They, I don't know if they still do it, but back in a while, while ago, the tourism, you know, the country um, tourism bureau, they would reimburse you if you got skunked for waves. That's how. That's how. Wow. That's how consistent it, it is. Like it's crazy. It is consistent, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the that's why Nazare has emerged as yeah. what it is. That in terms of the amount of surf, it, there's no place like it in the world. I mean, it's really. It's, everything is focused. Is yeah, it man-made? Like, is there like a jetty that got well, made? Well, now, now there's a canyon. Uh, it's like a super deep canyon offshore. So that accentuates the waves right in that spot. But in, in general, it's just, it's like, it's like all the storm energy that comes off the U.S., especially like the tropical cyclones and whatever that merge with the, the nor'easters, as those move across the Atlantic, they just kick waves in that direction, and yeah. and so it, it's it, from October on. There's just almost constant waves, and and it's just a great um, and and the the, the tourism, um, the support, and that's the thing about the events in Nazare, which makes it totally different from any of the other places that we've done events around the world. That between the city of Nazaré and then Tourism Portugal, they, yeah. they fund everything. That's and, awesome. and it has worked so successfully that, I mean, 10 years ago, if you said, hey, name one of the, the most exciting um, water sports destinations in the world, it wouldn't have even been in the top 100. Yeah. Now people want to go to Nazaré. They want to go to Portugal. They've seen it on TV and they want to book a... You know, if they're going to Europe, they want to check it out. Well, and it's, it's succeeded beyond anyone's well, our, dreams. Our hometown hero, number one, Yellow Jersey, uh, um, Irigashi. Yeah. He, he lives there part, yeah. part of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Off season and stuff to go train it. I mean, he scores all the time. You follow his feet. Yeah, it's just looks fun. Oh, barrels. Yeah, it seems sort of obvious. Hey, you, you know, especially in the big wave world, you, you want to run events, you want to do things. Well, you got to have a lot of waves. Yeah, you know, and and waiting around in Southern California, especially this winter, proved. Nah, you know, yeah, yeah, you got to. It's funny. The guys uh, Ruka just picked up, uh, Mason Barnes. Yeah, you know who that is. He's uh, Reggie yeah. Barnes from the East Coast Sun, right? Yeah, yeah, he's... and he just got a. He's a bro. Yeah, he's a bro. Mine. I was just, is he? Uh, was, yeah. Yeah. I, I was. Just, I was. I, in fact, I just went over um, uh, like three weeks ago because because I'm, I'm still involved in. I'm working out the measurements of who rode the biggest wave, and so he got a gigantic, gigantic, wave, gigantic wave. And at least, at least the one angle looks gigantic. And, and he's from what? Uh, he's from uh, North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. 
and you know he's not a never even thought of him being a big wave guy. You know? No, but but he's been he's been he was hack- an ultimate surfer too. He's been hacking away at it. He's kind of was uh, being mentored by Twiggy, and he's been kind of you know spending a lot of time in the North Shore the last four or five years. Yeah, um, yeah he's like and creeping. So he's been on my radar, yeah. you know, and kind of. But, but now he's come through. I see him, you know, when he was he's on um, uh, Koa Rothman's uh, vlog. Yeah, this is living, and. I was just like, wow, you know, like, who is this guy? And then all of a sudden, he starts riding for Ruka, and he gets, like, one of the biggest waves in Nazare in a while, and full coverage, you know? So, yeah, and, yeah. good, good job, Brophy. Yeah. yeah, good work. And he's a, <laughs> hey, um, and he, yeah, he's a, you know, and he's, you know, and it's, it, I, I like it when you see someone who's got a good attitude, and they're yeah. having a, a good time, and they're, they're, you know, they're just happy. You know, yeah, they're, yeah. they're not grumpy. You know, there's enough grumpies in this in this scene. So I, 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 oh, yeah. I like him. Us three aren't grumpy. No, we're all about throwing positive vibes, giving you good entertainment, <laughs> hearing awesome stories from Bill, from Bill Sharpie. Sharpie. Sharp. Yeah. Thank you for Thank having you. me. One of the great honors of my life. Being <laughs> a late night with Jockey. Dude, thanks for your time, man. That yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Peace Ready? Okay. Peace. Bonsai Bowls, hands down the best bowls, period. Seven locations, two in Hawaii, five in Southern California. Bonsai Bowls, go get some. Caliente Southwest Grill, clean, healthy Mexican food. Everything is made fresh daily using produce from local farms. Their salsa, their dressing, and even their marinades are made from fresh produce in-house, so almost all of the menu is naturally gluten-free and extremely clean. Family-owned, showing local love for 22 years. Check out their website, calientesouthwest.com, for all your party pack and catering needs. You can also call them at 949-515-0909, calientesouthwest.com. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen. The best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen. It's been around since the sun. Shade Shade. Sunscreen. (laughs) Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best ickiest stickiest wax in the game foo wax thanks for tuning in we hope you enjoyed the show please give us a five-star rating and spread the word special thanks to our good friends james williams for our awesome artwork and justin reynolds for the amazing music